we got so I was waiting for. <laughs> Best Joker ever. <laughs> I doubt 60 it. Million bucks. Jesus Romero did. Yo, have you guys? <laughs> oh seen... no. Uh-huh. Have you guys Jesus. seen Flight? No, not yet. Oh, it's bananas, dude. It's is it really? Bananas, yeah. It's the the opening sequence is like, phew. It's it's uh if you've ever been on a plane, man, I don't know. It's it's un- it's unnerving. That's the thing with uh, Denzel. Denzel. Mm-hmm. With mm-hmm. the lazy, no, you can't fly the plane because he got that lazy eye going on. He's, <laughs> he's not Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> I was gonna say you're confusing your uh, your ghost dog is flying the plane. No, Denzel's got ghost a lazy eye. Fly out of here, dude. He does. Look, next time you see him, look straight at his eyes, and you'll be like, "Whoa, where's he, where's he looking with that other one?" I'm telling you, let's <laughs> do this. Up, the next one. We we got a show to do, right? Let's get it on. Three, two, and one. Eleven o'clock comics, episode two hundred and fifty-one. I'm gun shy. I'm so gun shy. Why? Doing that. Because I'm just waiting for you to come. Yeah, I heard it. I <laughs> you're like a be- you're like an abused woman. You you're just you're just gun shy. It's like it's like your Tina and I'm like. Speaking of that, you gotta throw that black dynamite series up on your eye device. Three bucks, man. Gotta do it. All season? I've been flat. Yeah. I don't know if it's today, yesterday they were having a sale. I tweeted it. Did you? Yeah, I threw it up on my iPad because I gotta figure out to rewatch that shit. Or I'm too busy making my way through. Yeah, all to me. It's uh, all for you. Is it wrong that I really, really want to go to the Boys to Men 98 Degrees concert, but I can't because I'm a dude? <laughs> and my wife doesn't want to go. I'm like, hey, we should go to that concert. It'd be awesome. She's like, why would I want to go to that? Because like, it'd be awesome. That's yeah. silly. Why don't you just go? Get your freak on. Who cares? Get your freak on. That's I what they to go with, man. <sighs> I- I'd go with you. You would? Yeah, if I was really, really, really drunk. <laughs> I'd go. <laughs> Wait for the guitar solo. Wait for it. The guitar yeah, solo? It never came. What's up with this? <laughs> yes. No solo. You the Lachey brothers back together again? Who? Singing. The Lachey? You said who? Singing I Do? Forget it. Yeah, uh, come on. Who the hell is the Lachey brothers? What? That cliche? I... Yeah, come on. They're part of 98 Degrees, dude. that guy. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. Hey, everybody. 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 251, and I and Vince be the old Italian guy. <laughs> and I... Get off my I'm damn lawn. I'm David Price, the somewhere in the middle Jew. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of old Italian guys, I am Vincenzo Francisco Gennaro Di Faggio. No, you're not. Thank God. <laughs> you are a Jason Wood, everybody. And Do you know who Vincenzo DeFaggio is? I was just kind of like trying to shimmy on by. You know what I'm saying? Just well, this is a, But this is an apropos. It is entree. very apropos. Who it is? Well, I was reading a present that my boy 
dap slash the boo gave me for Christmas called uh, Marvel the Untold Story. Right in the beginning and, you're starting. Uh, right in, right in. Mm-hmm. And there was a period of time when Stan the Man Lee had to go off to war. <laughs> and while he was at war, Vince DeFaggio was the acting editor-in-chief of Marvel Comics. Wow. Mm-hmm. He left the earthly plane about a decade ago. I, I find that not as interesting as Stan going off to war. What did Stan do when he went off to war? This, uh, probably wrote instruction manuals and shit. Oh. Well, somebody's got to do it, right? Yeah. Somebody's yeah. got to do it. No, Stories. I'm not going to shit on him. Anybody who goes to war, I, I mean, say, dude, when the know. country calls and you go, respect. That's right, player. That's, I, I didn't <laughs> poop on Stan. See, you're waiting for me to do it, just like ah, me you in the intro. I wasn't doing it. Doing it. You know where you can get war comics? <laughs> <laughs> At Discount Comic Book Service, you can get a whole lot of other comics, too, for 35 to 75% off. Get this. The new specials are up, and here are some of the great deals you can get at DCBService.com. From Boom, actually, specifically from Kaboom, it's the Adventure Time original graphic novel, the very first one. It's called Playing Fire. It's written by Danielle Corsetto. You know who that is, right? Yeah. And with the art by Zach Sterling. It's thick as a brick. I think it's like 160-some pages. That's Cover sick. price, and they, they make special point of saying, it's Scott Pilgrim-sized. Like, that's manga-sized now. It's called Scott oh, Pilgrim-sized. Awesome. Uh, it's like prestige format, dark right. night format. Yeah. Uh, cover price is eleven ninety nine, but that is nowhere near what you're going to pay. You can get it for five dollars and ninety nine cents. That's really? half off. Yes, from our friends at Archie Comics, the mastermind behind the great Sonic the Hedgehog series, Mr. Ian Flynn, is writing another New Crusaders story. This one's called Dark Tomorrow. It's nice that they're making use of the Red Circle characters. Um, it's a oh, mini series. With art by Elisa Martinez and various, but there's uh, variant covers. One of them by Phil Jimenez. Wow. Oh, yeah, cover price and Ben Bates. Cover price is two ninety nine. Your price a buck forty nine. Again, half off. And last but not least, a pair of concrete shoes for anyone who does not order. Jack Kirby's in the days of the mob hardcover from DC. <laughs> That's funny. Thank you. It yes. is the companion volume to the previously published Spirit World. Jack did two magazine-sized experiments at DC. This is the other one. Uh, hardcover collects Days of the Mob number one because it was the only one, and stuff from Amazing World of DC Comics number one and number ten. Cover price is a whopping forty dollars. Your price nineteen ninety nine. Holy cats, where else are you going to go? DCBService.com. And get this, you can get your previews digitally. Right? This is awesome. This is what I have been waiting for. Regular price is four fifty. If you get your digital previews through DCBS, they charge you $1.12. You That's know it. 75% off. Save the planet. Don't be dumping all those thick-ass catalogs in the in the landfill or you know whatever get it digitally a dollar twelve you have absolutely no need to leave your house people dcbservice.com respect we love them respect yes it is (laughs) i get my drink on speaking of it what's you drinking i'm drinking 
Sam Adams chocolate bock. Yeah? Yeah, oh. it's, not, it's not bad. Chocobock, huh? I'm not drinking three of them because it's a little heavy. So I got two yinglings and a chocolate bock. Oh, unless you're chasing the chocobock with some yingling. I am. Yingling smooth like David. It's- like boo, yeah. sorry, like boo. Chris is back on walkabout, by the way. Everybody's wondering. He's yes. uh, he's sweeping the land. He's keeping. Yeah, he's uh, he's he's bon spieling. So look that up, people, because it's. Uh, I don't. I don't blame you if you've never heard of a bon spiel before. <laughs> That's where they get like a big bunch of wood and they all burn it and right. Seriously, and they tell burning, shit. Burning man. <laughs> oh, I'd love to go to Burning Man. You'd never get me out of there, dude. Never. <laughs> that is true. That What's is you true. drinking, David? I am drinking, Jason, some Stark Raving Cab. Oh, are you now? Yes, I am. Nice. Dude, for uh, for listeners at home, I had the rare pleasure of going out to eat with David uh, on Monday, along with uh, our good buddy Ron Richards. And uh, it was pretty hilarious because David ordered a beer and was very clear <laughs> that he ordered a Brooklyn Lager. And the woman brought him something that was absolutely nothing in any way she performed like a Brooklyn Lager. So I was like, nah, drink it, dude, you know, because it was a dark beer. And David, and, I, and he's like, he tasted it, and he's like, that's ah, okay, I'll drink this one. So then he finished that one up, and she's like, are you ready for another beer? And he's like, yeah. He's like, um, but can I have a Brooklyn lager? And I, sure, and I asked her for the drink list, and I pointed to it. Yep. And then she brings him the same fucking beer she brought him the first time. Are you serious? <laughs> Maybe it's a code word. She, Could be. I, it, it helps that she was cute. She was. And the entire evening was just fantastic. So I, I really have no no complaints. Yeah. Three's company, four's a crowd, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it wasn't asked, so you don't have it. <laughs> um, and none of that has anything to do with what I'm drinking tonight. Um, but I am Irish, as people know, and I'm drinking uh, a good Irish beer, Harp Premium Lager. Beer so that there. controls the weather. Huh? The beer that controls the Harp, control the weather. There you go. Yeah, it does. Bottled by Guinness. I believe you. We're going to be under two feet of weather this weekend. You know it. Yeah, it's going to be nuts. Yeah. God, so I'm glad we, I got um, a big old we, plow. We didn't do thank yous last week, so I imagine that Vince has probably a list of 15, 20 deep. You gotta no, go? I don't. I have the same ones you have, right? How do you know what I have? Well, why don't you go? And I'll tell you what I got. <laughs> well, why don't you go? Because I wasn't prepared. You're pulling, oh, pulling the rug okay. out from me. Um, At least you know I'm prepared. Oh, go ahead then. Okay then. Damn. From uh, Donal. Donal Fall on the forums. I, like I think the rest of you, got uh, the 100-page 2000 AD Prague 2013. Yes. Which is a massive, massive volume and just mm-hmm. amazing. And I got an anthology published yes. in um, Ireland, Dublin, Ireland. Uh, it's called Stray Lines, black and white anthology, just chock full of of uh, indie goodness. I haven't gotten around to reading it, but I did page through it, and it looks sweet. It's very square bound anthology. It's nice. Uh, so thank you, Donald. That's awesome. Yeah. Is that all you have to say? Thank you for. I think. Okay then. Well then, I'll have to. It's my turn then. Uh, uh, my I- bad if it's not. Yeah, okay then. Um, I received from, uh, let's see here, uh, Mr. Jason Lee. Uh, and I'm pretty sure he sent it to more than just me because it letters. Yes. Guys. Yes. yes. Um, he sent a, first of all, he sent a book uh, called Super Justice Force. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. I got that too. 
I'm okay. such a dick. Yeah, go ahead. Written by D.F. Walker, who is a good friend of he and his wife. And he said the backstory is that D.F. is a movie reviewer and uh, and uh, budding filmmaker and uh, also has a, um, a, a black exploitation website, which is totally up my alley, or a zine, rather, um, called yeah, Bad Mofo. It's great. Cool. And and this is his, his, his book. It's a... Um, he he tried to get it published, I think, and he said the story was is that unfortunately, which is disappointing to hear, he shopped it around, and uh, a couple of people told him they liked it, but they wanted them to make the main character white, which is pretty ridiculous. So he yeah. decided to self-publish it, which is good for him. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's a novel, um, and uh, it's um, like I said, it, it I uh, peeled through it. It's a pretty hefty piece of work it's almost 300 pages so much love he also jason also sent us custom t-shirts yep uh, which uh, i'm opening up here uh, uh yep and it's uh it is a rooster uh given the old uh pointing at his eyes and then pointing out like i'm, I'm looking at you coming for you you know and what that's from i do uh, i don't it's from ted, ted mckeever right yeah ted mckeever's mondo oh okay i don't know that is that good? We talked about Vince it. Talked about it. You yeah, gotta listen did. to me. He listens to David though. Yeah, when well, we got to eat. talk about it. Oh Jesus! About twenty episodes back. Oh, yeah, it was, it was a while ago. Yeah, yeah. Not even. Not twenty. But, well, maybe. I don't know. Check. Did it out. you mention a, a rooster pointing at someone? I sure did. <laughs> you did. Mm-hmm. You sure I wasn't absent that episode? <laughs> you never know. <sighs> That's true. Could have, could have been planning a party for David or something. Uh, 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 uh. So uh, now, now I have I have more thank yous. Does anyone do it? Anyone else want to go? Or uh, I think those are my two. Okay. Uh, from um, Mr. Robert Curley and Mr. Barry Keegan, I received a copy of The League of Volunteers Number One, uh, which is a, a comic that they uh, put out um, by Atomic Diner. And it's actually a Declan Shalvey variant cover. Oh, nice! Yeah. So it uh, it is um, it was published back in 2011 in Dublin, and it says in 1940 the Second World War had cast its shadow over the entire world. Ireland had chosen to remain neutral from the start, having only recently been a republic. This was a way to show the world how truly independent she was, uh, and. Uh, there, uh, but there were some people that decided to fight among them. An elite league of metahumans were brought together by their belief in a better world and a better Ireland. A league of volunteers. It's a story of uh, of Irish World War II metahumans. So uh, very, very cool. I appreciate that. Thank you. And uh, I feel like Vince tonight. And uh, the certainly last but certainly not least from Mr. Steve Miller, who is a listener. Oh, Steve. I love what? Book of Dreams. That album's great. Well, uh, probably this isn't Steve Miller's off the band, but but um, Steve said that uh, he is a, a listener and appreciates all the hard work we do. He said, uh, I guess he's got great taste because his, his tastes often align with mine. So props to him. Oh, and he says he knew that I had a deep love for all things Deadpool and that I also have a big affection for McFarlane and his Spider-Man run. So he had drawn a cover as a Marvel triad. He had a connection at Marvel about five years ago. So he drew a Deadpool in the style of Todd McFarlane's uh, Amazing Spider-Man, and he sent it in, and he said it, he didn't ever end up getting a gig there, but he uh, he's continued to work on his craft, so he um, he printed out a blue line of the original work and re-inked it for me, and uh, so it is this awesome McFarlane-esque Deadpool uh, splash full-sized art piece, 
and uh, he's he's all caught up in the webbing, and he's saying, "Where's the freaking off switch?" By Steve Miller after McFarlane, and at the bottom, very cleverly, he puts a little price tag that says Heritage Auction, three hundred eighty-five thousand five hundred dollars suggested value. So uh, huge, huge props for uh, for that. It's awesome, and uh, I will try and take a picture and put it up on the forum so people know what I'm talking about. But uh, anybody that was a big McFarlane fan is gonna is gonna plot when they see it. It's great. So cool. Well, Sounds awesome. Everybody. Yeah, you got it. You got you have a scanner. I don't. Well, I do, but not not one that's eleven by or twelve by what is it, eleven by seventeen. Oh. So no. That damn Neesman just spoiled the surprise. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Because that could be Adams. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I guess it could be. Oh, I don't know what you're talking. Oh, oh, okay. He tweets whenever he feels like it. I uh, got it. His, <laughs> pro- his precious protected tweets. Precious. Well, <laughs> think of it this way though: ninety-eight point nine nine percent of people listening right now aren't spoiled because they're not on live tweet. It's true. So let's do some comics. What up? Why don't you guys talking for twenty minutes thanking people? So why don't you guys go? That's you did good. Thank people. You were thanking fool. Oh, <laughs> such really? a chore. Such no, a chore. I no, it's not. It, it, I that yeah, I um I I didn't have see because wow. <sighs> Uh, veteran of 3,000 podcasts. No, because I I have notes, but some of the notes were like, for some reason, I, okay. In, in, in your travels... Is this thing on? No, don't, don't, don't bother with Punish Your Nightmare. I mean, I have things like that, things that I just, oh. that I read that I was like, oh. You don't want to bring the, the, the downbeat, yeah. No. So, um, you know, but, but there are, like, because... What? what about something that we could tag team on? Okay, what? Unless you haven't read it yet, but I know you bought it. Antler Boy? Oh, I, I was I was flipping through that, dude. That is, yeah, see, we, um, and this won't be the last you'll hear about Kickstarter tonight, but um, over the past uh, couple weeks, actually twice in two days, I, I went out to the mailbox and received Hotel Noir, and then the next day I received... The Antler Boy and Other Stories by Mr. Jake Parker. And Antler Boy is a gorgeous anthology. This mm-hmm. thing is beautiful. And he he has... Parker has styles, depending on the story. That it, It's not the same style of artwork throughout. And the characters are, are charming, clever. It just... It, it is. It's not something I'm going to just breeze through. I'm going to take my time. I'll probably read a story, put it down, go back to it. It is, but it is just, dear God, I. It is. It is attractive as hell. Wow, Jason, you read it? Yeah, I read the whole thing. Loved it. Loved it. Um, unlike a lot of anthologies, it's all by, you know, it's it's all by Parker, but. As David said, it's different characters, different settings, different different uh, color palettes, different animation styles. So that's cool. Yeah, um, I mean, they had me at hello though with the first story called Hugo Earhart, which is about a, a little boy who's uh, who's sort of in this magical land, and he he's kind of a, uh, a courier for the forces of good, but he's got a buddy, which is a green flying pig, and then he's got a buddy slash transport who's a giant purple flying sperm whale. And 
as you guys know, I love whales, so yes. that just hooked me right in. Um, and he's like fighting, kind of quasi steampunk looking, uh, like World War One ish kind of like sci fi battle plane type things. Um, but no, I think it's terrific. I mean, you know, again, one of the things I think you always say about an anthology is you kind of you take some of the stories, kind of sometimes take the good with the bad. And just hope that the good outweighs the bad or the stuff you don't really care about. But I think maybe because this was all written by the same guy, um, I enjoyed the whole thing. I mean, I, I thought it was great. Um, and there's a few recurring characters. There's a, a very pretty uh, purple-haired, coiffed uh, spacefarer named Lucy Nova. Yeah. And uh, she kind of has like her day at the Tribbles type of moment. She she comes this cute little green creature, and uh, the creature ends up. Uh, sort of morphing. You know, he kind of uh, gets, he feeds off of um, uh, a kinetic energy. So as she's trying to, you know, kick him and push him away and shoot him, he keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and turns into the turn, until he turns into this humongous creature. Um, and like Parker gives you a, uh, one of those like anatomical breakdowns. It's called a, he calls it the creature an electropod. And then he does like a whole, like a, a vivisection slice of it. So he shows you all of its internal organs and it's, it's, uh, it's pretty neat. Like he, he's just very, very creative, this guy. Um, I think I ordered this mainly because I think Scotty uh, Young backed this project. Yeah, and you know I follow him on Kickstarter and vice versa, and uh, and that just basically so when he backed something, I see that he did it, and I checked on it, and was like, wow, this looks really good. I'd never heard of uh, Parker before that, but um, there's a uh, a story of a little girl who um, basically uh, all she doesn't want all she wants to do is play checkers. And like her mom's too busy, her, her dad's busy, she can't get anybody's attention. And Parker draws the whole story in, um, in in black and white and gray tones, except for the little girl. You know, the little girl's in color, but everything else around around the world is is just black and white. And all of a sudden, she comes across, she goes to the park, and she sees this gigantic pink Easter bunny. And uh, and you know, he's she sees him, and then he's baffled that that he can that she can see him, and and uh, you know, and 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 it goes from there. Just just. Great little little vignettes that that have different different genres and settings. Nothing really overtly dark, you know. It's all pretty happy, you know, happy or or just mildly, you know. There's nothing. This is definitely not sinister. It's it's very much uh, sort of lighter fare. And uh, yeah, I think it's great. Like I said, I think Lucy Nova. I could read a whole a whole series of her. I think she's great. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, sounds good. Yeah, it's really really good. It's. Uh, I presume you can get it other places, right? I mean, I, again, it's always hard to. Um, but it was a Kickstarter project, um, but uh, but I presume you can get it get it other places. I, I know that some of this stuff has been collected in other places. Um, like I, I, I'm pretty sure that Scholastic put out something with Missile Mouse, which, which is another one of the characters that uh, is in this. But uh, just just Google Google. I think on his website he's probably selling copies too. So um, this isn't something you'll find in your comic book store necessarily. No. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. But it's, it's it, very it, very good. It's uh, it's one of the first Kickstarter projects I backed, and and I and I finally got. It. I mean, it's worth the wait. It, it's I don't um, I don't back things to, for for instant gratification. I, I realize some things are going to take a while, and this is one of those things. And it, it mm-hmm. is it was I I didn't forget about it, but once I opened it and flipped through it, it, it the reason why I backed it all came back to me and it's just it, it really is a uh, a really nice package I'm, yeah. I'm very impressed 
you know what? As I'm looking, they have actually in the back where all these stories first appeared, and a bunch of them appeared in different uh, volumes of Flight by Image. Oh, yeah. So, oh, okay. Yeah, and um, and a couple other places. Vince, I don't know if you've heard of like it looks like he's published all through Villard. Like he did. Uh, uh, there's a one of these stories was, was printed in Out of Picture Volume Two by Villard. Hmm. There's an Agent Forty Four Art Digest. There's a Sunstone Magazine. Um, so yeah, I mean it's 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 all different places, and, and two or three of the stories are original to this book um, that he that he put in there. But uh, yeah, it's quite good, very very good. Cool. I have an anthology too. Do you? Yes, but it is definitely sinister. Mm. Big surprise, okay. right? Shock. Uh, issue number two of the uh, Craig Yo presided Yo. haunted horror. Oh man, I I I adore this book. Um, is um, if you've seen the Craig Yo books, the Chilling Archives of the Horror Comics, this comic book sized book keeps the same kind of cover treatment with the blood dripping on the top, uh, like the oversized hardcover volumes. But this reprints uh, pre code horror stories from uh, comics like The Beyond and others. The cover was done by Mr. Basil Wolverton. And it's really neat. It it does have uh, a trio of his trademark drippy style creatures, but the majority of the cover, like there's a witch uh, clutching a crystal ball, like either a port or or a crystal ball in the background, and there's a woman gasping in fear in the foreground, and they are not drawn in the typical Basil Wolverton style that we've you know we've all grown accustomed to. It's it's fairly tight, fairly realistic, and it's really nice to see some atypical stuff from Wolverton because I mean we've been bludgeoned by the plop covers and the you know the powerhouse pepper stuff and 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 his space hawk books I mean we know how Basil Wolverton draws right but it's always nice to get a, a curveball from he, the man can draw realistically he can do everything I, I love Wolverton but this issue's so good I love this book it's 48 pages and it's jam-packed with six stories surrounded by a heavy uh, cardstock clay-coated cover. The interior paper, paper is that toothy, thirsty paper that, that uh, yes. grabs the ink mm-hmm. very well. Mm-hmm. So you got, you got 48 pages for $3.99. Damn, son. Yes, from IDW. That's uh, value. I'm telling you, the main story is my favorite. It's called Doom Smoke. <laughs> it's about this dude, Ira Krim. And, and he's a collector. He's a very discriminating collector. He collects pipes, smoking pipes, but they have to be against the grain, atypical pipes. He just doesn't want the standard stuff that everybody has. He wants the really weird, really uh, eccentric pipes. And uh, one day he's tooling around uh, on a back street, and he sees this little curio shop. So like, there's shrunken heads in the window and stuff. So he says, hmm, you know what? This looks like the kind of place that would have a pipe that a discriminating collector like myself demands. So he goes in, and he's looking around, and there's this withered old crone that uh, presides over the place. And uh, you know, he asks her, do you have any pipes? And she shows him his pipes. And he's like, I don't want those. Everybody has those. I want your really strange stuff. And she said, okay, I'll let you see it. But it's not for sale. And he's thinking, okay, she's playing the game. She's trying to get me to, to pay more than I want for it. But I'll play along. And she brings out this pipe. And the bowl of the pipe is a 
skull. And she said uh, her husband was uh, an explorer, and, and he went to the West Indies, and, and the pipe is actually the shrunken skull of a voodoo witch doctor. Now, I don't know how you would shrink a skull, but she said it is, so I'm going to take the lady's word you know, for it. But uh, So he's looking at the pipe, and he's like, oh, man, I, I got to have this. I'll give you uh, I got whatever, to have you, it. whatever you want. And she's like, I told you, it's not for sale. So he, he waves a stack of greenbacks at her, and he's like, really? I'll pay 500 bucks for this pipe. And she's like, sir, it's not for sale. So Ira clocks her. He punches the old lady, right? Knocks her down. and nice. she. And she's pleading with them, you can't take the pipe. And uh, in the cat, in this little window box where she has the pipe stored, there's a couple of devils with pitchforks that look like they're guarding the pipe. So he goes to take the pipe, and he's like, damn, something pinched me. The the devil stabbed him with the pitchfork, but he thought it was, you know, he just br- grazed against the pitchfork. So he takes the pipe and leaves, and the old woman's like out freaking cold, doesn't know if she's alive or dead, but he doesn't care, because he got what he wanted, right, so he goes back to his bachelor pad, uh, and lights up the pipe, and when he does, he's really surprised to find out that the smoke from the pipe tells the future, so he's smoking it up, and inside the pipe, he sees some guy strangling a woman, choking her, and he's, he's looking at, he's like, wait a minute, that's me, and, and and that woman is my wife, uh, which is totally absurd because uh, Ira is a deadbeat. Doesn't work. He just collects shit all day long. Uh, and uh, his wife is rich, stinking rich. So he's like, why would I ever strangle my wife? Uh, mm-hmm. That's my that's my gravy train. I'm not going to strangle my wife. So as it has as it would have it, the wife comes home, and he, she goes, ah, oh, you're in a good mood. Well, I'm glad because you're not going to like what I have to tell you, and this may soften the blow. He's like, she's like, we're done. I'm, I'm sick of supporting your ass. You're out. I'm going. We're over. And and he pleads with her, and she's not having it. And he ends up choking her and killing her, just like the pipe says, right? So after she's dead, he stops a minute to relax and lights the pipe up again, and he sees himself surrounded by rats, which is kind of weird. Uh, so now he has to flee the, the, the scene of the crime. So where does he go, dumbass? Into the sewer. to get to. And what happens when he's in the sewer? He gets attacked by rats. But unfortunately for him, some dude picks up the manhole cover and he's saved. But as he's in the taxi cab, he lights it up again and sees himself in the electric chair. What? Okay. And then the story has the uh, trademark O. Henry ending. Uh, it's pretty cool, but I'm not going to spoil it because you need to read this. This is it's a really cool story. Um, the thing about these these pre-code horror stories, the you can trace the artist on most of them, but uh, the writer writers uh, remain a mystery because they weren't credited. But you can you can tell uh, you know artistic styles. This was drawn by Ken Rice. Um, there's another story about a guy who is a quote naturalist at a history museum uh, okay. and he's in charge of preparing the insects for uh, their exhibits um, uh, and and you know he, he likes his job but he's having these really strange dreams wakes up in the middle of the night and, and he thinks he's a bug but the thing is he's really turning into a bug at night and uh, he he's cognizant he's aware but once he turns into the bug he can't help himself he has to do what a bug does 
and and like he turns into a caterpillar one night and just happens to wander near a uh, a spider's web and naturally the spider comes after him but he manages to get out um mm-hmm. he he turns into a cockroach and other things and um again the twist ending uh but this was published in um World of Fear number 6 from 1952 and the artist unfortunately is unknown which kind of sucks you yeah. know, because you you look at the art and you maybe see a little bit of Joe Simon here or there, but it's obviously not Simon. Um, so I, I it bothers me when when a, a when a strip isn't attributed to you know the correct people, right? Because you're wondering who did this thing. It's gorgeous and it's crazy and the colors are insane and 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 you you don't know who did it. Um, there's a George Tusca story, David. Oh yeah, from Adventures into Darkness number six. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next story is um, "Kill My Minions of Death" by Lou <laughs> Cameron, which is neat. This guy somehow finds a way to inject human hands with a a serum uh, that makes them ambulatory, and he can control them based on what he's looking at. Nice. Sounds weird, right? But the, the the guy is German, and he lives in this sleepy German village, and uh, he decides to blackmail the prime minister. You know what? I want all the money you got. I want a nice house. If you don't, I'm going to send my hands after you. The prime minister's like, what? Get out of here. And uh, he has a little display. The the uh, members of the army come to the, uh, the dude's house to round him up, and he looks at them and sends like 20 pairs of hands flying in the direction <laughs> you look at the panel it's it's kind of funny but it's not i mean if you were being attacked by by flying hands making a beeline for your throat that would be kind of scary no doubt right? yeah and again the twist ending but this story really has me intrigued uh it's from 53 published in journey into fear number 15 it's a it's a fairly typical werewolf story uh, called her lips dripped blood. A woman and her husband go back to the, uh, the the homeland in in the very same edifice where her grandfather lived, and there was always talk of werewolves uh, creeping the moors at night. And um, it turns out she's a werewolf at the end, and, and ah. you know she continues the family curse. But it's attributed to the Jerry Iger shop. Okay. Uh, no, so, so no artist is listed, but if if you do a little bit of digging, you you know Eisner and Iger <laughs> had a studio, right? Yeah. But Eisner left in '40. He sold his shares to uh, to Iger and left to do the Spirit. So um, you could trace the artists that uh, did work for the for Jerry. Uh, you had Bob Kane, Wally Wood, Bob Powell, even Jack Kirby. Did a little bit of work for uh, Jerry, but my best guess, and I'm probably wrong, but just humor me. This <laughs> really, really looks like the work of Lou Fine to me. Really? Yeah, it really does. It's 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 nicely drawn. The werewolf is a little bit goofy. It ha- it has bat ears and really <laughs> really thick eyebrows, and it wears the cape. <laughs> werewolf with a cape like look at me <laughs> there's a werewolf over here how do you spot a werewolf just look for the cape right <laughs> um, <laughs> and the the very last story like a werewolf in a Nehru jacket it's true <laughs> with beads uh, the very last story is really really cool it's called Heartline 
uh, from Chamber of Chills, number 23, May 1954. Pencils were by Manny Stallman and inks by John Giunta. Uh, and a guy, is a scientist, is heartbroken over the death of his wife. And she is a looker and a half, let me tell you. And oddly enough, like they show her on the slab, and uh, she's got a strip of cloth across her breasts, like uh, nicely done, like like Lilu in uh, Fifth Element. Ah, and okay. and for, a, for a story published, yeah, for a story published in '54, that's kind of risque. You know, there's there's one part where he's he's gets in close and he's he's looking to see if she's uh, breathing, trying to listen for her breath, and it's her, I mean the breast is right foreground right there and, and you see like underboob in a 1950s comic yeah it's awesome but uh he he's uh grief stricken over the death of his wife and um he has discovered uh, a surgical technique that could um replace organs like human organs mm-hmm. uh, diseased organ you take it out put another organ in body automatically accepts it boom and then uh, oddly enough, the patient comes back to life. So his wife is dead a couple months. That's not stopping him, though. He, he, he goes and digs up a heart and places it in the wife's body. And he gets it going, and she wakes up, and she wants nothing to do with him. And he's like, Suzanne, it's me. It's your, it's your husband. Come to me. And and the, the, the text and the captions are really misleading because it says he, he looked at her gorgeous face. And the face that... The, they drew is anything but gorgeous. I mean, the woman's got <laughs> big old buck teeth, and she's she got the unibrow going. It's not pleasing at all. But anyway, she doesn't want anything to do with him. Why? Because the owner of the heart, his corpse, comes walking in, and she embraces him, and they're kissing face, and it's a zombie kissing the dead woman, and the guy yes. just snaps. His mind breaks, and that's that's the last of the of the the comic. I love these pre-code horror books. I do. And um, you can get them at IDW every single stinking month in spot, Haunted dude. Horror. They have another uh, horror host in addition to Forlock the Warlock. <laughs> How could you not love that? Forlock the Warlock by Angelo Torres. There's um, another horror host which is done in association with um, the horrors of it all. Blogspot.com. Do you ever go there? Have not. Yeah, they this the 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 uh, uh, Carswell reprints. Well, he posts pre-code horror comics complete on his blog. So if you love pre-code stuff, go to thehorrorsofitall.blogspot.com. But there's another horror host in here called Carswell. So you got two horror hosts for the price of one. The, it's uh, only three ninety nine. You need to get it. They, when when um when New England Comics, I guess while they were waiting for Ben Edlin to actually. <laughs> draw an issue of of the tick. Uh, they were also publishing because I would get their catalog. So while I'm waiting for the third or fourth printing of whichever tick issue, I would also pick up. Um, they had collections of pre-code, non-EC horror books, and and those were some crazy stories, man. Really, this is New England comics. Did David go? David? We lose him? I don't know. He's not talking. Huh. I asked him a question and he didn't answer. You missed the DAP. Yeah, you know me. Yeah, we lost him. Damn it, son. boy. Let's try and get him back. That David, he's always causing trouble. You missed your technical difficulty. I know, right? 
Damn. We got you. Got to. I got to get you on board the the horror comics. You're not too big in the horror, are you? No, I do. I just, but I don't I mean the old school stuff. I'm just not real familiar with. Nasty. It's 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 raw. Oh, baby, I like it raw. <laughs> it has the same uh, devil may care sensibilities as the '60s, uh, like the Silver Age stuff. They just didn't mm. care if some if something up. Uh, he must have to reboot because he's not online. If uh, if something floated the boat, no matter how outlandish and and crazy it was, they'd try it. And that's I think that should be the rule, right? No idea should be too too wild, too crazy. Yeah, definitely, especially yeah. in a medium like comics where it's just unbridled creativity. That's right. Why don't you take a live tweet while we're waiting for David to get uh, back online? All right, let's see here. Uh, live tweet. Let's see. Um, do you recall the episode this is from Eric Williams? Do you recall the episode where you were the most intoxicated? Wow, uh, that's a good question. Um, huh? There have been some episodes where I was definitely highly intoxicated. Yeah. Uh, certainly the peeing on air one would yep. come to mind. <laughs> uh, I'm peeing, brother. Um, uh, <laughs> I think the insanity beer really got me going. Yeah, but I was, that's I, I, yeah, I wasn't like stupid drunk, but um, I was I was feeling no pain. And anytime yeah. I have a hurricane, I'm giddy. Uh, there you go. Oh, David had yeah. to restart his restart his router. Wow. How you route huh. me now? Uh, right, Gordy well. asks one. He says mm-hmm. specifically to me, uh, for Vince, if you were given a chance to illustrate for heavy metal or famous monsters now, would you do it? Um, I, you know what? My instinct tells me to go with heavy metal because it's the better magazine now, but I'm going to spin it and say I would illustrate for, heavy, for famous monsters just to prop the magazine up because they need help these days mm-hmm. yeah i mean you know not to slight anyone working for him now but the famous monsters of now is definitely not the famous monsters of its heyday it's yeah andrew it's, shaw wants to know what our favorite dinosaur is for me that's easy it's a plesiosaur and that's because when i was a kid i absolutely was convinced that the Loch Ness monster was real and i read like 10 why books wouldn't about- you be yeah, I read like ten books about it. I wrote like book reports for three years in a row in school about it. So, uh, yeah, definitely, that's that's the one I certainly would would be the most enamored with ever seeing some kind of realistic fossil or recreation of. Yeah, How about you, my, um, I'm still convinced the Loch Ness monster is real. By the way, uh, my favorite dinosaur is a Triceratops. Mm-hmm. Why? That that is an imposing beast. You you don't. You don't rush a triceratops because you're going to get you're going to get gored. Uh, true. The, the, only, the only thing you do is get them from behind. But the so she said the, the <laughs> uh, yeah I just and I, I love the look of a triceratops. It's like they nailed the design of that. Uh, they meaning whoever you know started this whole big brouhaha. But uh, yeah, I like and and I like the um, ankylosaurus too. That's a very good looking dinosaur. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not gonna say T-Rex because that's what everybody expects. Oh, T-Rex. Eh, T-Rex is it's nice, but design-wise, it's just a big lizard. It's true. Yeah, let's get there. Uh, oh, is he ready? I'm hoping. I'm praying. There Hi. he is. Oh, <laughs> this does not sound happy. No, it's it just. 
I should have expected it. I should have went downstairs and rebooted it before we started, but I didn't. Uh, but that's okay. You're back now. So let's You're back, continue. brother. What's your favorite dinosaur, David? It's my favorite dinosaur. Probably, uh, eh, probably a T-Rex. There you go. It's <laughs> just got done saying how nobody can pick a T-Rex because it's the most obvious one. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, now they was even worse mood. See, Vince, what'd you do? I know. <laughs> it's my fault. I shit on David every chance I get. Nothing, I can, nothing can ruin David's mood tonight because we're having some a guest on who has David's dream job. So, Yes. Dan asks this question. Leaf Insect Man. He asks, which kaiju do you want to be when you grow up? A T-Rex. So, wait. <laughs> so, so what were your what were your answers to the dinosaurs? Plesiosaur, because uh, I love the Loch Ness monster. Okay. Triceratops, just uh, mostly because of the design. I think it's a really, really uh, solidly designed creature. That's and I true. said, an- I said Ankylosaurus too. You get hit by that tail, you're dead. You're dead. I got you. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, one second here. Uh, it is true. Um, Dan also wants to know if, if we can please confirm the rumors that Vince has hose in different area codes. That is true. No, no. The 610, the 215. He's got them all. Uh, let's see. Dave Newfield. Has anyone read uh, O'Neill and Cowan's The Question? What did you think of it? What creator would you like on a new question series? Wow. Yeah, I've read the question. Yep. It's a brilliant, sorry, brilliant series. Um, David, who would you want on a new question series? Oh, man. Are we talking about Vic Sage or? Yes. yes. Okay. Um, Priest. Wow. Yeah. That's a good answer. Uh, and on art. Wow. Uh, Pat Broderick. Ooh. Interesting. Yes. David, I, I'm proud of you. <laughs> He's all grown up. He is. Well, I, I, you know, I, after I let you down with the T-Rex, I had to, you know. Well, now I can't think of anyone other than <laughs> Pat Broderick doing it. So <laughs> and you guys are big Pat Broderick fans. Dude, we are. And he's got he's, he's got a webcomic coming out. Sammy, so, you stopping Shadow Man, or is he still going to do that too? That's Patrick Zercher. Oh, I'm confused. My bad. Uh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, never mind. David, was the the Superman Batman versus um, what was it? Werewolves and vampires? Didn't Broderick do that recently? Oh, it was wow. a mini. It was a mini series. I I didn't buy it, obviously, because I don't know the Mandrake. damn title. Oh, it was yes. I think it was Tom Mandrake. Yeah, I think you're right. We're confusing the hell out of at artists tonight. Yeah, That's okay. Are. Yeah, That's, we're we're usually on the money. That bodes well for yeah for the rest of the episode. What did you ink? Who are you? Thank uh, you. <laughs> uh, boy, I don't know who I would want to see um, draw the question. I would like uh, Mr. Morrison to write it though. He could do some cool shit with the question. Oh yeah. Yeah, I don't know myself. I mean, maybe if so, I don't have anything inspiring to say on this one. Um, <laughs> no, I mean I don't. You know, I mean, like my first reaction was Rucka, but you know, he kind of just did that. So yeah, at least yeah. with you know, like in a different form. But 
Mahalo might make a nice artist on the question. Mahalo. It's true. If it's anything like steampunk, though, nobody's going to be able to decipher it, <laughs> which is pretty good. Uh, I love that book, too. Everybody shits on steampunk. Oh, you can't tell what's going on. I, I think it's perfectly clear what's going on. Well, that is you, though. It's yeah. true. You see the world a little askance from the rest of us. I know that, it. You have that eye. Two of them, but yeah. True. Uh, got the lazy one, but... That's oh, Jesus, what? Is <laughs> <laughs> he's confusing Forrest and Denzel again. Oh, I know, it's so baffling. I'm not. Denzel's got a lazy friggin' eye. He says, he says, well, he's, like a, he's like an Ubi doll that's partly squeezed. What? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit. That is cray-cray, dude. It is, man. I like that. I'm going to save that. (laughs) All right. Are we at that moment? I think we're at that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Give me a call. All right. Got to figure out how to do this because I haven't done it in a while. Well, you want it? You want want to put us on hold then? No. Of course not. I'm not going to put you on hold. Let's see. Oh, boy. I can use the keypad. You know, I am so lost at work without the page up, page down. Those those Chromium keyboards that they got, the, the wireless ones for the, the iMacs, they suck. Yeah, they're, th- they're small. Why would you take page up and page down away? It doesn't make sense. Told you, dude. There are certain keyboard layouts that I love, and then there are others where I just I get all skeeved out and run away screaming with my arms flailing over my head. <laughs> yeah, you you make fun of my keyboard because it makes the clickety clack. I love this. Keyboard. I love that. I it's I had an old HP. One. I wish I need to find. We're getting in some newer computers now with actual PS2 fucking ports on the back, and I, I want to take yeah, one I so I can use my old. Uh, well, might as well get it over with now. Um, <laughs> and and just so I can use that old HP keyboard keep uh, keyboard and and mm-hmm. I, I love those and oh my god i i could just i could look out the window and type i love that keyboard yeah, I know everything yeah. was on it yeah. and now you're getting my... crackly mm, well that's good so i'm gonna get him okay we just uh emerged from a uh flurry of of technical difficulty so we're gonna start fresh we're gonna start this thing over and uh, begin again, you know. Good luck's sake. Begin, uh, begin. Right with the with the uh, roll call again, and uh, this is uh, eleven o'clock comics two fifty one, and I'm Vince Woo-hoo. B. I'm David Price. I am Stan the Man Lee. <laughs> the old fallback. <laughs> you thought you could be Stan Lee. That's true. You could be. What else is Excelsior. And 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 we have a guest with us this hour. And uh, we, we do. I am not going to steal David's thunder because this is this is one of the things he loves most in this on this planet. So take it, David. It Tell is, him who it is. It, we have with us tonight a a, a gentleman who has been. Uh, I'm sorry. There you go. He's been. Uh, he, the, the, the man has been working in comics for years. I I uh, I'm familiar with his work from. Uh, penciling cable, but primarily as as an anchor on things like um, Superman. Uh, he's done some work with X Factor. He's done. Um, he, he he did Trinity with uh, with Mark Bagley. He has Ultimate like, Spider Man, right? Yeah, I mean, really, I mean, you could just go through ComicBookDB, and he'll he'll tell us about a few things that he's worked on, as well as uh, as a 
a project near and dear to him, Chrono Mechanics, awesome. yes. which is awesome, and and it is none other than Mr. R.T. Bear. How are you, sir? Hey, guys. How are you? All right. Welcome, sir. Long so overdue. It, so it is T-Bear. Yes. Okay, so I was all prepared to call you Thibert. <laughs> I would have I answered. I would have answered regardless. Oh, oh so okay. you're, you're completely unlike David then. Yes, absolutely. Everybody should be. <laughs> it's so good to have you here. Well, thank you. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the show. And what are you drinking? Um, I just finished a orange wheat uh, Hangar 24. It's a local uh, Redlands, California uh, brew. And uh, I don't know if you guys can get it, but it's amazing. And now I'm just starting to uh, slow down a little bit on some cranberry and vodka. Oh, wow. Nice. I love how that's slowing down. Yeah, he man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, how's the mouthfeel on that beer? Is it good? Uh, Jesus. <laughs> it's good. I mean, you're, you haven't been a guest on the show until I've asked you about your mouthfeel, so. Uh, I, I'm not sure what that means, but. Yeah. <laughs> it means exactly what you think it means, Art. Oh, I, I, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to comment. I gotta say, uh, Mr. T-Bear, that I revisited the Chrono Mechanics uh, because of your appearance on the show, and I loved it the first time, and I noticed a heck of a lot more stuff the second time. Uh, It is a beautifully drawn book. And and that's that's the thing uh, we want to impress on people that yes, you're you're a great inker, but you are also a really top notch penciler. It's true. Wow, thank you. This this book is gorgeous. I it mean, is. It is. Like it's in the Melvins. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> it, it, it's all true. And I want to ask you something about this book after you give uh, tell tell the people at home what it's about, um, if you would be so kind, because I don't. I want you to do it justice. There's a lot of stuff going on in here. Oh yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, well, first of all, it's a uh, it's a action adventure sci fi um, humor book. So it's it's funny and it's over the top, but uh, it's basically like I asked myself years ago: What if time was a big machine, like literally a big, huge nuts and bolts machine? And um, then I was thinking, uh, you know, if it was a machine, it would probably break down, and it'd probably break down a lot since it's old and it's been there uh, since the dawn of time. And uh, so then there would be a company, Chrono Inc., that would have to repair the machine and monitor its progress and then they would need mechanics to go out for calls you know to fix the machine so that's that's basically the idea basically the idea is it's it's a big machine that needs to be fixed and so then um there's teams kind of like the green lanterns that they have sectors there's repair teams that have sectors uh throughout time and they're responsible for fixing their sectors you know machine problems so that's that's basically it in a nutshell. Ah, well, well here, here's my, my, my question. Uh, in, in addition to the humor and, and the action and, and uh, you know, the, the, the sci-fi adventure themes that run through the book, I picked up on something. I just want you to confirm or deny. There seems to be a little bit of not-so-subtle commentary on the status of the comic book industry in here. Uh-oh. <laughs> and, am, I, am I correct? There's some stuff in there, yeah. Because especially oh, the the quickie, t- yeah, the quickie time guys, uh-huh. who are all dumb, drunk, and do bad work. Yes. And and they basically 
go roam around time stealing people's jobs because they can do it faster but far less effectively and with far less quality and it just so happens that the quickie time guys they have a boss and his name is joe q oh God. mr t-bear what are you saying here <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure I like you anymore. <laughs> oh, <snap. laughs> oh I, man, you put the spotlight on quick on this interview. I, I literally, I, I, I don't usually laugh out loud when I read a comic book, but I got to that page and I was like, the balls on this guy. This is awesome. It well, is. you know, the, my seat, my seat right now is getting hot as we speak. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I, I don't want to go into too much detail, but I think it's kind of self-explanatory. Yeah, yeah, and I agree with you, by the way. Oh, thanks, man. But I got, I got one backer on this. <laughs> no, it's, it's. But another thing that that just warmed my heart is the book is self-aware. Uh, there, there's literally no fourth wall in this thing. Uh, the characters will talk right to the reader, like um, the uh, the elucidator. What's his name? Eugene. Yeah. Yeah. He'll just he'll address the reader as the reader and say, uh, and he cites examples of pages in the book, so he's aware that it's a comic book. But but the thing that I I liked a lot was that it kind of gives the whole comic book medium a big old bear hug and it's not afraid to admit that yeah we're a comic book and we're we're having fun we're just enjoying ourselves here it, and it's 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 not um self-conscious of the fact that it's it's just a fun comic book well thanks yeah i just wanted to do it as something fun i i mean it was really kind of done as a stream of consciousness to be honest mm -hmm. it was it wasn't even really written i just kind of started drawing and so it just kind of take it's just started evolving and taking on a life of its own. And um, I'm I'm a big fan of Mobius and his airtight garage, oh. and I believe that it was done that way as well. So I think at the back of my mind somewhere I was thinking that and how much I liked that story that he just kind of made it up as he went along. And so that's what I did. And um, and so, yeah, I mean, it was just, it was more or less a stream of consciousness. So if there's some kind of plot things or segues that don't quite, you know, aren't as smooth as, as they should be, I think because of that. And also, there was just so much I wanted to put in that thing, you know. Um, mm -hmm. I just, I had all these ideas, and I thought, man, if I only get one shot at doing this, I want to make sure every one of those ideas is in there, you know, from the time stampedes all the way down to... Uh, you know, the timelines that you step on and it blasts you through time. Um, but they're all your timelines, you know, all your alternate timelines um, that you get to see and visit. So, yeah, I wanted to make sure all that stuff got in there. So it's kind of busy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I picked up on the Mobius um, influence because uh, the, the one panel right before uh, Doug finds the guitar where he's just yes. traipsing across the landscape and, and you could see the, the blasted out, uh, side of the building where the 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 plugs are, that that clear line style yeah, in there, that's yeah, yeah. gorgeous, and it's just it, it does it's very reminiscent of something Mobius would do. Now it's not an ape of Mobius's style, but mm -hmm. just just the clear line style is beautiful, beautiful stuff. And I, then I love it, Mobius's line, yeah. Oh yeah, and then the very next panel you have strong black, so it's a really nice counterpoint to to that panel. I just you can look at this book forever. The 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 detail yeah. in it is incredible. 
I gotta start coming on this show more often. Sure. <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> you guys are good for my ego. <laughs> I, I, right after we, we we meet Doug and everybody else, it one of the little things that I, because it is black and white, and and a lot of times people need color to be able to tell you know what's going on, but you can never, you're, you never worry about who's saying what. I I, I love how you have. All the characters with a different, with a different font. With everybody's word balloons are different. Mm-hmm. The because uh, because Terry Moore does that same thing depending on if if it's a male or a female character, mm-hmm. they'll have a rounded word balloon or, or, or squared off. But uh, no, I, I keep I keep flipping through this thing and and it's just it it really is. And I'm I'm glad that you're you're able to um, to do something with this with Kickstarter. Mm. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's just a passion project, and it has been for, uh, gosh, maybe 10 years on and off, just kind of working on it here, working on it there. And so um, when Kickstarter came, you know, to my attention, I was like, I got to get this book back out. Because the industry supported it, um, but, you know, I mean, like cartoon books traditionally and and, and joke books don't do that well in our industry but this stuff does very well on kickstarter so i was thinking well maybe a kickstarter audience is the place to get it in front of and so um i'm compiling all everything i've done so far um to date even sketches well i'm gonna i i I might do sketches later it's not gonna be in the initial you know launch but um everything i have so far story-wise is going to go into that um that trade and it's going to be called Potholes in the Cosmic Road. And the cover's kind of cool where they're fixing a pothole, and it's in, it's on the Cosmic Road. <laughs> oh, cool. Now, you have a total of, let's say, uh, this is 48 pages, so uh, you have four other issues as well? Yeah, there's four individual issues. And then I did an 11-page story for a Fox pitch, an animation pitch that I did some years ago. And I thought I'd try to pitch it as... I mean, there's the pitch, the animation pitch, but then there's a comic book that went with it, and so I did 11 pages. It's kind of an alternate Doug's origin. Um, it's kind of before he was a rock star. He was just kind of a 20th century, you know, slacker. And uh, so there's there's those 11 pages that are going to be in the trade as well. Oh, cool. Yeah. Another thing that's really cool about the book is, um, from a production standpoint, I mean, I look at it and I'm thinking, okay he had to design four lead lead characters not just once twice because when they put the the chrono suits on yep. they they transform into very very different personas i mean there's still a semblance Physically, of, but yeah. right of of the characters they were before but in, from a design standpoint you had to do four more characters for this book yeah i i always like the duality of like captain marvel you know those characters that you know he's a kid but then he becomes like you know, a superhero, an adult, and so I think those ideas were were present with that. And so the idea was, you know, how when people go to work, they you know they usually put on some kind of uniform, you know, um, especially if they're construction, you know, there's helmets and and things like that. And so I thought what would be fun, since this is a sci-fi kind of story, is instead of putting on the outfits, they just transform. 
And so whatever their core, like if, if the guy is only three foot tall, you know, like Carvajal is a really small guy. So he can then become like a seven foot prono mechanic, mm-hmm. you know, and then each one of them are the same height, each one the same build. So they can, they're kind of built to do the job. So they transform into the perfect mechanic to do whatever the job requires. So I thought it would be fun, you know, more so than them changing, they just kind of, you know, power up into those, into the mechanic form. So, yeah. Yeah. And then, then there's the panel where where Oot's driving the vehicle and Caravaggio's on on his back and he's looking up underneath Oot's loincloth and he's like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say Caravaggio is <laughs> maybe into guys, but you know he is an artist, so we can yeah. we can. I I, I think the striped pants are blackberry. pretty much a dead giveaway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he likes. He likes the caveman. What can I say? That's a, hey, who wouldn't, right? That's there you go. He's my favorite. I love Caravaggio. Oh my gosh, you, there's some story that I have that I can tell. Like, he's he's just he's he's a guy. He's an artist that just he's frustrated because he hasn't been discovered yet. So he's doing all this work, and he just hasn't got discovered. Like in the in the next uh, the other graphic novel, um, he he's trying to be discovered so he builds a giant statue of himself in in like Times Square or like town, the town square and it's a statue of himself and then he's like ah oh, I'm so in love with myself and so then um, everybody around the town is scratching their head and looking like what is this doing and then it's like who is Caravaggio and then the one guy turns to the other guy and goes you know he built one of these in my cousin's town too <laughs> and and so then before he can take any credit for his big statue he gets he gets zapped into you know work he gets called into work so not that he was going to get a bunch of credit anyways but uh it's just he's totally frustrated constantly that he just hasn't been discovered and his arch nemesis is is uh is Leonardo da Vinci yeah and so he's convinced that da Vinci has spies that he calls the ninjas and the ninjas go out and they spy on Caravaggio and they steal his like sketchbooks and his ideas and they bring him back to Da Vinci and so the Da Vinci is just better at like selling himself and marketing himself so then he ends up getting all the credit even though it was Caravaggio that originally did it and so the the only payoff that Caravaggio ever gets is that Chrono Inc. recognizes his genius and gives him a job. So that's kind of how he fits into the team. There's a tremendous amount of world building in this this series. I mean, just to, just to hear you talk about it, you, you have things planned well beyond this this initial 48 page issue. Oh yeah, yeah. That's some of that stuff, like the ninjas and, and things like that, those guys haven't even showed up yet in in some of the, the comic book stuff. But I'm also writing a novel. I actually got a novel deal to to um, basically uh, adapt the you know the comic books into a novel. So I got the second draft done. So I'm going over the third draft now. So I'm hoping to have it out this year. Wow! <laughs> a lot of work. Now, are we talking um, uh, like something aimed at tweens or an older audience? I think probably tweens. Yeah, I, I don't think. I don't think really young kids because it still is a little edgy, um, but yeah, like like young adults. 
That's a, that's a smart move. Yeah. Oh, you know why we Jason hasn't been talking? Oh. <laughs> Jason got he got knocked off. No. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we didn't even know. Huh? All right, let me get him. Me, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> That's my. That's one of my favorite parts too. Hey, is that the Clock Strikes Twelve or whatever that cheap trick song that you guys? Yes, played? it is. Hang on, brother. That's exactly what it is. Oh, very cool. Yeah, it, but it's not cheap trick though. It's by a uh, I forget the name. This small Japanese punk band just used it as the intro to one of their songs, completely unrelated to Clock Strikes Ten. Uh, but they just thought it was neat to put that on the you know the the intro of their song. Uh, Jason's back. Sorry about that, brother. Yeah, I have no idea what happened. How long were you off? We didn't even notice. Uh, at least five minutes. <laughs> Jeez, it's one of those nights. But, hey, uh, interesting, we, 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 interesting we guest. Fun before uh, before you even got on, Art. It was it, it was a little bit of a, a little bit of a mess. Well, I always Secret. wonder how much do you guys have to drink during your shows. <laughs> That's a the lot. question I have for you guys. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a light unhealthy, an unhealthy amount for a workday, Art. Yeah. 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 Well, it's hump day, so I mean, right? We, we exactly right. Yeah, yeah. get through it. Uh, let's ask Art an in, an inking question. Uh-oh. And, and I, I always want. David I'm must not gonna, have a list of fifty of them. No. Not, <laughs> don't name names, but it, has there ever been an instance where, uh, say, you're working with a penciler you haven't had much experience with, and and you get a stack of boards, and there is a ton of things that you perceive to be a little off, a little wrong with, with the drawing. Do you take it upon yourself to fix those things or do you stick to what the penciler has laid down? And my seat is getting hot again. <laughs> <laughs> well, no names, well, no names. Because no, I've always wondered that. I mean, um, as an illustrator, I know if I got something from someone else, and I mean, not to say like they didn't do it the way I would have done it, but there are things that are just flat out blatantly just, just just wrong, right? Maybe a perspective problem or a foreshortening error, you know. Um, I would want to go in and, and, and fix, embellish that, so to speak. But with the, the time period you have to turn this stuff around, you don't have the luxury of, of redrawing certain things. So what do you do? Do, do you, do you now, just... I, I never redraw. I just want to be clear. I never pick up the pencil and redraw. But for me, sometimes it's just a matter of moving something over slightly you know like there's like there's an inside of the line that you can ink and then there's an outside of the line and let's say like the pupils of the eyes are like one's kind of little wall-eyed you know one's looking a little like bit Denzel. to the right uh, instead of the left so <laughs> if you just kind of ink on the other side of the line what you're doing is then you you slightly move the eye over to where it needs to be uh. but you're not redrawing anything and then same with perspective, like if the perspective's slightly off, then you find the vanishing point, you know, and then you just kind of do it that way. And it's pretty automatic for me at this point in my career. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I usually, unless I'm told to by the, the editor or something like that, um, I, won't, I won't change things blatantly. Um, I was told a couple times by the editor to do um, to do just that, and I was lucky there was no backlash. One, it was it actually became very successful, and the other one, I did it over a very 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 famous penciler oh. creator. So yeah. we're talking Jim Lee here. 
<laughs> no, 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 no. He didn't always back me because I did. I always did finishes. Well, most of the stuff I did over him was finishes, anyways. But it was actually a Steve Ditko job that Ooh. Mark Wade hired me to do. No way. That, yeah, he was kind of like, uh, <laughs> can you kind of get a little heavy-handed on this? And I was like, wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Or Zach. Yeah. Zach's gonna be crying. And I was, young, crying I was young and stupid enough to go. Oh, okay. It came out pretty good, but mm-hmm. yeah, I probably wouldn't do that today. I think it's pretty safe to say that you have more copies of your art in circulation than a lot of your peers because you inked Jim Lee right on the, on the uh, relaunched X Men number one, right? Yeah, I did some uncanny stuff. I think three, maybe four issues. And then um, Scott and I switched, so then I started inking Wills, uh, Potasio, yeah, and then Scott yeah. Williams started inking Jim. Yep. So we kind of, Scott and I just kind of kept jumping back and forth between um, the two pencilers, and we lived real close together, and so it was it was pretty easy and natural to kind of work it out that way. Yeah, and that book sold like four million copies, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's it. I mean, a, a sick amount of books. That that's yeah. got to be comforting. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I still can't. I still can't believe it. Like I look back and I go, "Where's my damn gold album?" Like if I was Bon Jovi, nice. I'd have a freaking <laughs> wall of of gold True. album. You're right. You know, because it's basically what is a gold album? Is it is it half a million or is it a million? Well, yeah, gold's uh, half a million. Platinum's yeah, platinum's a million. A million. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, platinum's a million. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So you so went maybe, quadruple maybe platinum. Platinum too. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, you know what, Art? What I'm wondering is, you know, we we. I mean, you listen to the show, so you know, we we lament sometimes the the changing dynamics of the comics industry. You know, I mean, change is inevitable, and you know, it seems like uh, you know we just had our award show last week, and, and we were commenting that that a lot of our sort of favorite pencilers these days are opting to ink themselves, and you know, I know that that and digital sort of changing things, so. How how is that changing the industry? And, and I guess what I'm really looking for is like, do you, do you find that you're when when you take on an inking project now, are you being asked to do more, uh, more or less like finishing? Like, are are you? Are, is it more common now because of the way this is changing to really have to do a lot of detail over very you know loose pencils, or is it is it really no change on that front? Well, it's it's weird because I think sometimes when you start you start working a certain way, then you get labeled a certain way. Mm-hmm. And like one of my, my real first ink jobs was doing finishes over Dan Jurgens on Adventures of Superman. Yep. So I, I broke in as a penciler and an inker on the same right. day. I was inking for Marvel and I got pencil work at DC on the exact same day. Wow. And so I've always kind of had a foot in, in both. So I think I'm always kind of asked to do to ink people that are a little bit rougher, I guess, mm-hmm. around the edges, you know, where there needs to be a little bit more finish um, to be done and a little bit more like, you know, where, you know, you could, you can make those judgment calls because you know how to draw, you know, those type of things. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm not sure if that answers your question because I don't know how the digital stuff enters into what you were asking. but Sure. Yeah, well, I, I know I, I remember uh... – Hearing Joe Rubenstein talk once, and he was saying that you know in his mind that that all the like that in his in his view, I think he said. I mean, he put it less politically correct, but he basically said that like in his mind, the only good inkers are people that that have also you know know how to pencil, and you have to know how to do the whole craft because otherwise, you know, you're just basically a, you know you're 
it, it's 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 all a holistic art form and, and if you can't if you don't know structure and composition and everything that you learn as a you know in doing pencils or, or finishes then it you know just it makes no sense to become an inker um so i mean you seem to be from that that school of thought too and that you're obviously very accomplished and you know a penciler as well so i mean what's your view on that i mean when you're when you're giving advice to sort of up-and-comers in the business i mean do you recommend that even if it's not for say published work that they really you know hone their craft and make sure that they are a master of, of both crafts i think it always helps because there is somewhat of an interpretive factor when you're when you're inking and i think if you understand what you're inking you'll always bring uh you know a, a better level to the work because you understand it you understand the structure of of whatever it is that you're inking but i have seen guys that are just just very technical like they don't even they don't really understand what they're inking but they're just mm-hmm. very technical and they put a great line on things so i think it's a little bit of both mm-hmm. i think there are guys you know that kind of understand things on a deeper level and i think there are guys that can just they can just cover the pencil just amazingly well with like a great you know great finesse or great movement or you know, a lot of personality and attitude to the line, and uh, and I've seen I've seen both. I, I think the the one though primarily, like the guy that kind of knows how to finish and draw. I think that's that's a little bit more past, because you know the industry used to be where a penciler didn't really give you that much of a finished look. They were more involved in just the basics. You know, the storytelling, composition you know, proportion, form, those things. And then it was up to an inker kind of to interpret that and finish it up. And, you know, because it's it's a monthly schedule, it gets pretty grueling. And so that's kind of how it was. But I think now pencilers kind of are more, I guess, I, I don't know if the word is controlling, but they're more like they want to control the look of it as well. Mm-hmm. So they pencil a little tighter, and they kind of they kind of restrict what an inker can do. So then in, in that case, you know, you kind of are just kind of putting a nice, slick, cool line over something, you know, versus, you know, redrawing or making it structurally sound. Sure. Okay. David's awful quiet. I think he's in awe. Uh, I, well, uh-huh. yeah, no, I, I just, because I, I, the, um, it, it's, I know that, you know, we'll, We've had questions on on the forum about you know what what does an inker do, and a lot of times you'll see I, I I've seen it on Twitter where uh, some artists will they'll ask questions as to why I, I I've said in the past on the show where I think I think no no team has been better when it comes to John Byrne than he and Carl Kessel and. And I know that there are times where I've said in in Burns' later years on Next Men and Beyond where I think his things were, I guess, a little messy. And and yeah. I would have loved to have seen him, I'll say, reined in with an anchor. That, it, pro- the line he's putting on the page, he's John Byrne, is probably what he intends to do. But it, it just it looks like, to me, things could be a little cleaner. So I know that we'll have people say that you know, well, that's what the artist wanted to do. Let him do that. And then when 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 I try, when I make attempts to say that this is why I think, you know, like everything Jason just said regarding you know 
an anchor an anchor isn't somebody who could just fill in the blacks or or add depth to the page he he, he or she has to has to know the basics has to know the the perspective and the foreshortening and 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 where to make things work not just more than just getting it so that it can be printed and published um but you know for for people listening who who want to know you know what does an anchor do that 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 i guess either a a penciler can't do himself or what 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 does your day entail when you when when you get pages from joe bennett you know what how how do you what's your plan of attack how how how, how does your work day go well i think always primarily the bottom line is clarity so you want to make sure that it's readable you know so so sometimes it's like if it's a very complicated panel or very detailed that you you want to try to you know prioritize it in such a way that it becomes readable so it's kind of like you want to pull certain elements out that that need to be enhanced you know so so your eye goes to it so there there is there is a lot of subliminal like you know, you, you can do things with line weights and stuff like that to kind of guide your eye in certain ways and places. Um, so I, I think that for me, like first off, would would always be that like readability. You know, how how is this panel supposed to be read by you know a reader? And then it's just it's just trying to make it. I mean, as cool as possible. You know, and try to get as much movement to the line as possible because i think if you can if you can get an attitude and you get like a like a movement to the line then i think it reads i remember carlos pacheco said to me when i was i was thinking him on x-men he said your line moves it just moves and i was like ah that's the best compliment i've i probably have ever heard like it just he he goes there's so much attitude and it just kind of moves there's movement even when it's you know it's seemingly stationary it's it's moving and I was like, "Yep, that's that's what comics is all about," and and I'm so glad that somebody picked up on that. Um, so I think that's that's the priority for me, and and uh, but I think primarily it's just readability, you know. Yeah, makes perfect sense. Yep, uh, and the clarity is there on the Hawkman stuff, at least as far as the art goes. I thank you. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I wanted to be. I wanted to make sure that that, that we kind of cleared that up because I was reading. The, the the Hawkman after I I well all right re- reading it might be might be being generous I I was I, I was extremely um, I was a little bummed when 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 you and and Bennett were moved from Deathstroke yeah and on yes. the Hawkman. Hey, thought, did you guys get those? Did you get those uh, pages? That, my, mine's on the wall. The guys have not gotten theirs yet because we have yet to be at a con, all four of us together, since you sent those. So I am okay. taking them with me when Jason and I go to Vince's house in April for C2E2, and I I'll give wait. it. I'll give it to Jason and Vince, and then I'll take Chris's with us also. So yeah, we'll all will. we'll all have them. In April. Oh, cool! Did you see? Did you see the uh, the page numbers? Yes, I love that part because they're they are as, as I told the guys. We Vince has the first issue, I have the second, and 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 Jason and and Chris have issues three and four, and it is it is the eleventh page from each issue. Yeah, it's so cool. And, nice. and I put it like eleven o'clock. I put yep. the little uh, the little zeros. On it. Oh, cool! That's awesome. It, it yeah, makes the awesome. the gift extra better. I, extra, I, better. I w- extra better. I was crushed as as much as a grown man. 
can be crushed when <laughs> when you know an art team leaves a comic book. Deathstroke was way 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 up to the top of my favorites from that. New yeah. New oh question. my gosh, oh, yeah. that book. I, I'm sorry. I, I usually don't get this excited about a book I've worked on, but the writing, the the storytelling, the inking, yep. everything on that yeah, thing was. Yeah. I, it's so weird. Like sometimes you, I, I don't even. It gets frustrating for me because I think there's chemistry here. Like you don't. Mm -hmm. I've been doing this for a long time, and sometimes you just go. You know, I'm just going through the motions. I'm working my ass off, but I'm not getting anywhere with this penciler or whatever. You know, it's like it's like it's just like pulling teeth. But this stuff just came together. The writing, the penciling, you know, everything. And I was really surprised when it didn't do better because I was like. What else can we do? Yeah. Can well, we it's just people are stupid. That's all it is. <laughs> <laughs> they really are. Well, I don't know about that. But. No, no, it's true. Uh, you look at the splash pages in Deathstroke. You can't get that kind of level of of what's the word like synergy everything is in sync the the the, the pencils yeah. the the inks the writing it's just you created these splash pages that just sing yeah. and and you hear crickets like nobody's paying it well not nobody but not enough people were paying attention to that book and that's a crime it was it was amazing it was Do you remember when uh, the the uh, the russian sub was thrown and it blows up the pier it's uh -huh. like two double-page spreads. Yeah. In the, oh my gosh! I've really never seen anything stuff. like that in a comic before, ever. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it, I I kind of sort of take back my comment that people are stupid. The direct market wants what it wants. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. And, and and if you don't play the game uh, in a, according to the rules that they've established, then you're, you're the odd man out and, and, and sales suffer, which is really silly when you think about it. Yeah. You know what's really odd? I, I found, like, I, I remember when I was, I was pitching Chrono Mechanics, you know, for animation and things like that, and everybody was telling me, we want something different. We want something different. So, you know, even the comic book, oh, we want something different. You do something different, and everybody kind of scratches <laughs> their head, like they don't yeah. know what the hell it is. Right. And I think, I think sometimes it just, it just is, and it gets frustrating as as an artist, you know, a creator, because you're like, okay, everybody's yelling they want something different. You give them something different, something good, like Deathstroke or whatever, and then they're like, eh, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, I think there's a trick. There's a trick to it, and there's also a, an element of luck, because um, take Brian K. Vaughn and and Saga with Fiona Staples. That that book should not be as popular as it is, because it, it flies in the face of convention. It's it's unlike the majority of the books on the stands. Yet it has garnered this a certain amount of people that mm -hmm. think it's the greatest thing ever. How do you? That's the trick. How do you do that? How do you do what you want to do and find a sizable following? That's if do, you could, do you think it, it's it's marketing? Do you how? No. Okay, like if you were to like market Deathstroke, like or to try to make that that more popular, what would you have done? Now you're wow. in the hot, hot seat. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a really good question. Uh, wow. Um, number one, I would not have any crossovers. Okay. Uh, that's just a personal preference. Like uh, usually with new DC series, by the third issue, you've seen Superman, mm, and yeah. you know, and that that's really annoying. Um, as as a longtime reader, uh, what well, would I do? As, is, as a reader, I think you start going. Well, I think that that it's overcompensating. Like you 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 start feeling like we've been reading comics for a while. You feel like 
Well, the company isn't, you know, they're, they're not in love with this idea enough, so they feel like they right. have to overcompensate yeah, by exactly. throwing, you know, a, a, an A-lister or something into the mix, yeah. Right. I, I would price it at an attractive price point. Um, which is kind of hard to do when it's one of a series of of two ninety nine books, but I guess just publicity is is the thing. Just uh, say what it is. It's a smart, beautifully drawn and written uh, comic book that that'll surprise you. Uh, you just got to find a way to get people's attention. That's the hard part. Well, that's uh, that's what I was hoping you'd say. I, I was hoping you'd say like like marketing, and uh, I always think this is like. The little books that really need the marketing don't get it, and it seems like always the big books get the right. marketing, and they don't really need it. Those right. things are going to exactly. Let's yeah. advertise Batman. Why? <laughs> Batman sells itself. You don't need full-page Batman ads. No, yeah, the I, Deathstroke needs a little help. And then you had Simon Bisley on the covers. Like, how bulletproof can it get? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know those covers were awesome. I, they're, they're just amazing stuff. Yeah, I mean, and we're not being uh, playing a game with with the listeners. I mean, th- there's honesty here. Uh, David and I, Jason was a little bit reluctant at first to get on board the bus, but once he he gave it a shot, he jumped on board too. But David, yeah, and I you, guys, very, you guys sold me on it. In yeah, very beginning, we were like Deathstroke. You got to read this. So oh, good. because it also, I mean, not not only, I mean, it's it's Deathstroke. It's a character from. My golden age of, of Teen Titans. So okay, we're gonna we're gonna yeah. try Deathstroke again. It's the new fifty two. I'm gonna be there. Hadn't really read much from Higgins, but I, I knew Bennett because I, I, I like Joe's work on Captain America and the Falcon and, and 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 you have art and I mean and like I said, Adventures of Superman and and, and Uncanny X Men and everything else that because he because art your your style is one that it reminds me of Terry Austin in a way, but, but, mm-hmm. but, but you're an anchor who I don't, you're definitely there on, well, unfortunately these days the list is getting shorter, but there, there are certain anchors where if someone says, you know, well, who should I, who should I look at as far as anchors go? And you have the, the book by Martin where, where he talks about the styles of, of Mark Farmer and, and Tom Palmer and Williams and, and, but you, you were somebody who I haven't, seen much in in recent years because of what i've been reading so i mean between the character and the art team i was definitely going to be there for deathstroke and the fact that it was a damn good book that was just great and and i i enjoyed the hell out of it and then when when they decided to start rearranging the furniture and and it's like, okay we're gonna have this art team over here now and it's like i don't know why i don't know what was I don't know what wasn't working where where they felt that the powers that be decided, well, let's let's take this team off Deathstroke and put it on Hawkman. But it's not just that we're taking the art team off Hawkman. We're now going to throw even more cooks in the kitchen and we're gonna have plots by Liefeld written by Paulson or whoever and, and then and then, you know, the art team you've you've known on, on Deathstroke will be drawing illustrating Savage Hawkman and it I chuckled a little bit because now you're on a book where where Liefeld is plotting things out and all I thought about was you penciling cable back in the nineties, which is a Liefeld creation. And I don't right. I, I, I it it's just it's weird how there are some creators who, who tend to just either through 
no fault of their own, end up being associated or connected to other creators 20 years later. And, and, uh, I don't know if, I don't know if you had any dealings with Rob while he was plotting it. I don't, I, I know a lot of times people look at, you know, the, the, the inker's job and it's like, well, the writer writes it and then the penciler does the pages and then it goes to the anchor. So I don't know how much input an anchor would have, but was, 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 uh, was there a lot of feedback from Rob as far as his plots? Were there? Did he do any layouts? There any thumbnails? What? How? I, I think he did some of the. He did some of the character design. I mean, you could tell. Yes. Uh, like some of the character design and stuff. Like um, I can't remember the characters' names, but yeah, there was a couple characters. That There's Pike. Definitely design. Pike. Probably, I'm sure. Yeah, and uh, the guy with the fin head is. It, uh, I can't. He's got the Greek name or whatever. I can't. Xerxes. Remember. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thanks. And yeah, so those were Rob's <laughs> creations. And, and uh, to be honest, I mean, Rob was nothing but a cheerleader on this book. I mean, he was in constant, like, hey, this is great stuff, um, encouraging joke, uh, encouraging myself. Um, he, he was, he was, he was right there, you know, helping everybody along. And he, he's a pretty good friend. We both broke in the business at the same time, and I knew Rob before we both broke in the business. So um, I actually passed on Hawk and Dub and told told uh, uh, Barba to give him a call. <laughs> you know? Oh no, kidding! And, yeah, yeah, because I was doing oh, wow. I was I was penciling Warlord, and then Rob got a bonus book. Remember the DC bonus books? This is way way you know. Um, when they were trying out new talent, and then Rob got a bonus book in my book, um, the the Warlord book, and so I think uh, I was I was starting on Time Masters, and Barbara asked me That's maybe right. it was maybe it was before I started on Time Masters to do the Hawk and Dove book with her and her husband, and so I was like no, but there's this guy. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I got a guy. Thank you for that. Yeah. I think I, yeah. I think that's the best Rob's ever looked. Really, is is when he was inked by Carl. Um, I'm, that book was I'm awesome. Saying, yeah. I'm, I'm just. I mean, as far as art goes, but um, I completely, I, I completely forgot about about Time Masters. That was that your first time working with with Jurgens? Um, I didn't work with Jurgens on that. It was actually Bob Wayne and uh, what's his name, uh, Louis Shiner Shiner. Um, I think he's a novelist, and uh, those two guys wrote it, and I penciled it. Um, so, yeah, I didn't. I didn't work. I didn't. I don't think I worked with Rob. I, I remember there was a there was a page, I think, or a panel I inked on Huck and Dub, but I think that's all I did um, on Rob's early stuff. When he went over to Marvel, I inked some of his work then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I think on Deathstroke, I mean, one of the things is just just sort of the uh, the nature of the business now, right? I mean. You take a, a a villain lead character, and there's there's not much precedent for for those books, no matter how good they are, you know, standing out for long. Um, and then you take that in in the context of 52 new launches all at the same time. And I think you guys were definitely behind the eight ball, and and all you could do was put out a great product, and then hope that that was enough. And I think you definitely did that part. But I just think it it was just one of those you know books that that kind of got lost in the shuffle because. Retailers have to prioritize, right? And they're they're going to be history is going to have told them to be skeptical of lead books that have villains as the lead, and I think that probably weighed against you from the start, which is a shame. Yeah, you're it probably was awesome. right. Yeah, yeah, but I, the question 
is uh, were it any other time, say uh, it wasn't the, the launch of the new 52 and DC was mm -hmm. just looking to, to pepper the, the, their lineup with, with new books, I think sure. Deathstroke would have been, it would have did a hell of a lot better if it was, you know, uh, if it wasn't such a, a huge initiative to get all 52 books out there and re like yeah, you said, retailers yeah. had, had to scoop up and, and determine which ones were going to rise to the top. If it was a normal publishing schedule where you already have a bunch of established titles and, hey, look at this. We got a new book and it features Deathstroke. Oh, my God, look at the art. Sure. I, I think it would have did a, a hell of a lot better. Sure, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I think that... Um just having that much product, I think you guys are right. It just kind of gets lost in the shuffle, um, and and sometimes I think that if you give if you give the product a little bit more time too, it'll find an audience. So you know what I mean. Like after after the fifty two buzz kind of dies down, if you can mm -hmm. sustain it, then you can find an audience as well. And sometimes I think we kind of we kind of see things not working quickly and then just kind of discard it instead of like realizing that some things are a little bit harder sell you know like something like Deathstroke um, like what Jason was saying um, so it seems like if you went into it with knowing that then you kind of go well we're going to either have to get behind this a little bit more or give it more time to find an audience you know because the product is really good which I think it was I mean, Kyle, oh my gosh, those twists in there. Because it, it, at first it just seems like it's a bombastic book, like there's no, there's no um, substance to it. And then it starts kind of getting deeper and deeper as the story progresses. And before you know it, you're, you're really sucked into it. Yeah. And I think, yeah. it, I think it was genius the way he did that. Because the first couple of issues, you just think Destro was just, he's just a hired killer trying to get his, you know, his chops back, you know, because he's an older guy and things like that. And then all the, you find out that that young, those young upstart assassins, you know, the parents put a hit on him, and the, the, the hit was, spoiler alert, it was his own son coming after him, and all that stuff I thought was incredible. Yeah. When I was getting those pages, I was like, holy crap. <laughs> so, do you uh, remember the one this last page where there's the the head and the ball? The the yep. uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is cool. I think the the DC's um, the revelation of which collected editions would get. Uh, hardcover treatment and which came out only in paperback was pretty much a telltale sign which books they had faith in. Because, you know, um, yes, Action Comics and, and Batman got the hardcover treatment and Batwoman, but then you had books like Hawkman and Deathstroke, the collected editions would come out only in paperback. I mean, it, yeah, if, cool. if you're the publisher and, and you're supposed to, uh, you know, let's treat all of our publications fairly, and at least the initial uh, collected edition, I think they all should have either been all hardcover or all paperback. Yeah, Marvel's doing that right now, too, with the Marvel Now, because... I didn't buy any of the Marvel Now books in single. I was going to just buy them and collect it, and it's just totally random. I mean, it's been a few have been hardcover, a few most have been trade, but there's, you know, it's very yeah. strange. I, so. I would have loved to have a hardcover Deathstroke. Oh, jeez. Oh, God. Yeah. You and me both. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That, would have been, that would have been great. Great. It's still one of the things I'm the most proud of, just as far as a, you know, like a triple threat kind of thing. You know, they're, they're writing, penciling, inking. Um, and, and I chose not to ink Joe in that 
because he kind of gets gets inked in more of a like the traditional DC style usually. And I just mm-hmm. told myself I wasn't going to do that because when you see Joe's pencils, I don't know if you guys have ever had the luxury. Those things are so dynamic, man. They're bombastic, and I, I think this like a really pretty soft line doesn't do it justice. I think it really needs like something a little bit more aggressive, and um, especially with Deathstroke, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I was like trying to push that that kind of idea there. Um, Hawkman became a little bit more slick, you know, as we progressed. But that Deathstroke was pretty raw. Yeah, that's one thing about Bennett. Um, I've admired his work for a while, and he's been doing it for a substantial amount of time. But I don't know. I think recently, as like say within the past five years, he's really come into his own. Uh, I, I think the guy's a great penciler. He, yeah. he should get an A. An A book. He should get. He should get one of like you know DC's top books. Um, I think he's worthy of it. And I think sometimes when there's somebody like Joe, and they're kind of always put on like a B or C character, that you you try. There, there's moments where you really shine. You, you kind of you kind of step up. But if you get like a like, like if you get a Batman book or something like that. I think the guy would just explode. I think you would yeah. see you'd see work that you'd or never get that Capullo treatment. Yeah, exactly. Or like like in some pages on in Hawkman, you can see when he's really inspired. Like those crazy double pages, and um, and I, I see that kind of explosion, you know, with his pencils. And I go, man, if he had like like a good book, good money, good people backing him. That guy would be an A-list star. Yeah. yeah, he seems to have found that uh, that visual voice, that 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 elusive thing that you know you you can pencil and and do a great job, but when you find that that sweet spot where where everything comes together and and you speak on the page, I think Bennett has found that you you, you could yeah. tell that there's this um, and with you there's a harmony with it the, the, the inking and the penciling it's just this, this beautiful like they say that two headed beast it's a, you guys do amazing work together yep thank you thank you now, and, and I do I do believe that, that if he had the opportunity um, he could just he could just explode um, you because know, sometimes you don't really know what these guys can do until you, you really thrust them into the limelight. You know what I mean? And I think he's one yeah. of those guys just waiting for that opportunity. But he's always kind of been defined as like a Hawkman guy or, you know, a B-list <laughs> guy, um, yeah. B-list books. And, uh, yeah, that's my rant. Hey, now, anybody in, listening? <laughs> in, in 10 years, are Hawkman, we going to be... Hawkman's been canceled. Let's, let's go. Yeah. In 10 years, are we going to be talking about the great team of, of Bennett and T-Bear? Because I hope. I, so I you like guys it. plan to like me? Yeah. Good. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say, Art. I mean, how how do you, um, how have you, how's your career been in terms of getting hooked up with with different pencilers? I mean, did were you just kind of put together when you first worked with Joe, uh, you know, by the publisher, and then you guys had a good simpatico. So you said, hey, we should we should keep working together, or is it assignment by assignment? Like, how's that work? I mean, I know you're doing. Um, you're doing you're doing stuff over Pelletier the last few months on Aquaman, right? So I mean, like, how did you how do you hook how do you get hooked up with the pencilers they end up working with? Yeah, I think sometimes it's a friendship. Um, I don't know if you guys know this about me. I don't really get out much. So I'm like <laughs> one of those guys. I, I love my job so much. 
I just like to put my head down and just and just work. Um, so I don't get to shows and things, so I don't really socialize too much. So a lot of times it's it's just getting hooked up by an editor or publisher or whatever, and um, and then sometimes friendships come out of that, like like with Joe um, and certain people where you just kind of like each other's work and you stay in, in communications. And sometimes it even transcends, uh, you know, when you're not working together, you know, um, like uh, Matt Clark and myself, you know, we're still pretty good friends, and we did a bunch of outsiders work together. And most recently, which one of you guys are uh, Doom Patrol fans? Is it Chris? Well, Chris just got done reading uh, the all the Premiani, the classic stuff. So yeah. Okay, yeah, because uh, we did a, a small run on uh, Doom Patrol a couple years back. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's it's you meet somebody, um, but for me, most of the time, it's like uh, it's an editor or a creative person, um, you know, doing it. It, it. Yeah, I guess sometimes it is the penciler asking for. For people too, so sometimes I get asked for um, by specific pencilers. Most of the time, I don't really know those guys, so I guess they just see the work in the books. Have you worked with Paul before? No, it was the first. Yeah, he's really good. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm in a big fan of his pencils. I mean, I own some of his art, and um, I'm, I haven't seen the Aquaman stuff yet. Uh, I'm reading. I'm collect. I'm reading all the DC and the Marvel stuff now in collected edition. So I haven't seen your stuff. With him, yeah, but I am definitely curious, just because I have. I will say that that Paul is definitely someone who, uh, you know, his pencils can be overwhelmed at times in his career by the choice of inker. So I think if like if someone was to to look at at finished Pelletier work, it would look very different depending on who they you know who they saw uh, as his inking partner. So I, I definitely think that uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing your stuff together because I'm sure you're gonna you know let his uh, you know his underlying pencils you know shine so I'm, I'm i'm pretty excited to see it so there was a uh there, there was a page that art posted on on facebook for sale and it's from aquaman and jason i kid you not it it looks like davis and farmer that's what i'm saying dude well you know i think pelletier is is like a there's a second coming to davis yeah yeah i mean that's when he's at his best say, yeah, when he's at his best you know? yeah from that school yeah it's weird because i i really didn't ink it with a brush so I, sometimes I get I get a little like ah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna feather the stuff as much as like Alan Davis because sometimes I I try to rail against it just so somebody can have their own identity mm-hmm. you know so so you don't automatically go oh this is this is like Alan Davis or I, I did that with Carlos Pacheco too where he was definitely from that Alan Davis school but oh, yeah. I, I mm-hmm. purposely I went nah you're gonna get a pin. And I'm going to angle stuff up. It's not going to be soft and round like like Alan Davis. Nothing against Alan. I love his work, but you know what I mean. Just so it looks different. And uh, for right or wrong, you know, when you look at that work, it's it's unique. Sure. Know? Well, Hopefully here's a question. Like here's a question for you, Art. And you've probably heard the discussions or you've seen it on the forums. Um, you know, we have a pretty robust uh, original art uh, collector group within the community and and we have a a forum thread that that's you know many 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 pages long now and it's got you know a place where pretty much anywhere that's selling art where people can go it's kind of a reference point and one of the discussions that's come up in in at times has been um and and again correct me if this is is this has changed but you know my understanding is usually in a traditionally pencil ink combination you guys get you know a chunk of the pages 
to resell. You know, usually, I guess a third of the pages is what I've told is pretty typical. Is that still pretty typical? You guys get yeah, like a third, two thirds, one third, yeah. But okay. with with the with the the scanning and and kind of the um, the blue line, there's there's two sets of originals that kind of exist in in more you know contemporary books. So I don't I don't know if you if you know that where like basically I got I have all the Hawkman pages, I have all the Deathstroke pages. You know what right. I mean? Yeah, yeah, you're you're reading my mind. That's where I was getting at because there is a a debate, you know, among art collectors as to um, what is the uh, is there a difference between buying a inked page over blue lines, even if it was the way that it was, you know, even if that was the page that was used to reproduce the comic, versus paying for an inked page over the original pencils. And I would say that the majority of collectors um, find the ink over blue line to be collectible but the price for the pages historically is is going for less than inks over original pencils and so i guess what i'm the reason i bring it up to you and you, you kind of took you kind of took it and ran with it is so as someone who is an inker gets pages to resell and at least at some part supplements your income like have you found that have you found that like inks over blue lines fetch lower prices and does that kind of like bum you out because i mean it's it's to it's from your end it's still the same work right but but Ultimately, you can't control what the market bears. Like, have you noticed a, 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 a bifurcation there, or do you not see it as much? I, yeah, I haven't. I haven't really seen it. I think mm-hmm. if if you're a fan of it, that's that's all that really matters. And and I think people want the piece that they saw in the book. So if there's if there's pencils that exist, no one's ever really seen those. Like that's not that's not what you. See. Like if you be, if you read like you know like an old Byrne Austin book, you know, and, and all of a sudden there's like some John Byrne pencils, that's not what you remember seeing. What you remember seeing is those inks, you know. And I think that it, I think the inks are always going to retain, well, to me, are always going to retain a high value because that's what people saw. They never saw the pencils; they only saw the inks. And I, I collect animation cells. And the animation cells, the finished ones, are always worth more than the like the you know the original animators' drawings, which is, which is weird to me because I like the pencils more just personally, but the finished cells, you know, the the hand painted cells and ink cells and all that, those things are always worth more money because that's what you saw on the screen. Yeah, so that's yeah. What you that's what you know, and I think I think the inks are always going to be that. Um, I don't have any hard proof. I haven't seen, you know, that kind of that kind of difference between, you know, like what fans buy and what they don't. Um, so sometimes I think people are just talking. Sure. Well, I mean, I'll say that that at least for me, I mean, I, I definitely will be much more inclined if it's a ink over blue line to buy the piece because a lot of dealers will sell will sell both together they'll sell the pencil page with the inked over blue line if if that's if that's the case that I'm I'm much more likely to buy the page than if it's just ink, ink over blue line um but I mean to each his own but I do agree with you I mean when I first started buying art uh kind of just kind of happening into it uh the first few pieces I bought were penciled pages and and they they're, they're fantastic and again um wonderful to look at but you know I kind of have built like a gallery in my house where everything's framed and on display and to be honest I mean 90 
90 to 95 percent of the stuff I own is is inked stuff because again it just it pops right it's the finished yeah. product and it's on the wall and it pops and people see it and it just it's just more visually appealing so yeah I'm I'm with you I mean I I definitely you know I buy the ink stuff as well but but uh, yeah it's just it just figured I'd ask because we've gotten into many heated conversation on the forums about that some people are like very vehement about it one way or the other and I just figured I'd go right to the source and see if you've noticed any change in the dynamics on that front. Well, we're kind of older guys, too, and, and there used to be um, lettering on the original board. Oh, sure. Know? Oh, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and I, I remember that even people were saying, like, well, that changes the value because there are some people that actually want the dialogue on the board. Because oh, sure. It's a bit of, it's a bit of dialogue that they, they remember. You know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. it's a memorable moment or whatever, and then it, it's all inclusive. It's, you know, you get the, you know, the inks. And and you get the dialogue or the balloons as well. So I don't know if that's been even entered into a more modern discussion um, because it's been so long since anybody's really done any uh, lettering on the board. Yeah, I mean, I I would all things be equal prefer to have the lettering lettering on the page, but yeah. you know, again, that's like you're saying it's it's just just a case of simple. That's just that's just modernization. So if you're going to buy any page that's you know been done in the last I don't know. Uh, I don't even know when the cutoff is, but but the majority of my pages don't have the lettering on it just because they're they're new you know newer pages within the last decade, so that's just something you kind of have to live with you know nothing we can really do about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, there are some people that are like, oh god, I, I wish I wish this bit of dialogue was on this original board, you know. I hear that sometimes at shows when I do get it out. Which well, perfect funny. example. I I have a page um, uh, by Declan Shalvey from Thunderbolts. And it's uh, it's a page where uh, Iron Fist is fighting Luke Cage, and in the line, there's a line in the book which I loved. It's the reason I bought the page, where uh, Luke Cage says to Iron Fist, "Ninja, please," you know, <laughs> and and but that's not on the page. So like I look at the page and I see that line in my head, and I'm like, yeah. "Oh, that's hilarious, Ninja, please." But but right, it would be great if that if the the word bloom was on the actual page. So yeah, there's a, there's a crazy. I, I don't even know who penciled it. It was it was from my youth, but I, now that you said this, I think it would be it would be a page that I would want in dialogue, and this will show you. I think this will get a kick out of this. Like what kind of wacko mind I have is uh, it was a Karate Kid line, and and the guy's like, "Give it up, man!" He and the Karate Kid goes, "I'll give you nothing." But my foot. <laughs> 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 I'm, like, I'm like, holy crap, man! That would be cool to have. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder what issue. I gotta look that up. See what issue that is. See if I can find that. Because I'm sure the lettering is on the board. <laughs> Put it up on my wall. Well, I got two questions. Okay. Uh, one. Uh, yes, I'm infatuated with chrono mechanics. I just want to know. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's, uh, that's great. How long? Did it take you to pencil and ink this first 40, 48 page issue? It took me way too long, um, but I was doing a lot of stuff, you know, um, while I was doing that. Um, I took about two years off of comics, and I just started developing um, and doing animation. So it was in that in that period that I did that. So I think on and off, it took me about six months, six eight months to do it. Wow. Um, yeah. So it was a long time. But it's all on the page. Uh, you, yeah. you you could tell that that you invested a lot of of time and effort into this book. Well, let's talk about the Kickstarter a bit more. I mean, you you've posting pages on on Facebook and stuff, and you said it's coming to Kickstarter. But but do you have sort of a goal in mind for when you're going to list the campaign and 
what kind of things you're going to be offering and that sort of goodie, all those, all oh that goodness? Oh, my God, this thing, it turned into a nightmare. I, <laughs> I had a countdown. I don't know if you guys saw it on uh, Facebook. It was like mm-hmm. countdown, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, or whatever it was. And then I had pages that I was posting as a countdown. Right. And it, it, it's like Amazon has to okay you for these things, and it became a cluster F with those guys so it ended up taking a lot longer than it really should have and I apologize to everybody I feel like I had built a head of steam you know like you know promoting it and I had Trevor helping me and everything we were going to build this thing mm-hmm. and then <laughs> Amazon's like uh, corporation we need your EIN number they just kept asking for information and I'm like Hey, you know, I give less information to the IRS as far mm-hmm. as my taxes than you're asking for. And so, oh, it was crazy back and forth for, you know, a week or so. And so now we've got Amazon on board. And so now I'm just waiting for Kickstarter's approval. And I've been back and forth with a lot of, um, well, sitting in contact at Kickstarter. And she, she pretty much has already approved the page and is waiting for the official, you know, kind of approval. And then I'm going to get, you know, put it up, you know, at that point. I'm hoping sometime this week <laughs> it will go up. I apologize to everybody for taking so long. Now, will but, there be a, a tier uh, with original art from the book? Oh, yeah. Nice. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. Can you pick which page you want? <laughs> yeah, if you got it real nice to me, I'll just send you a page. That. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, the bribery. Sweet. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, I can't yeah. wait. I mean, as, as you as you know from the show, I'm I'm a ardent supporter of Kickstarter, and so I'm ready, man. I'm ready to to pimp it and to, to support it as soon as you post it. Let's get on it. Well, Tune thank in. you so much, you guys. Yeah, you got to be the first. Um, and I'm really hoping tomorrow, Friday, um, we should be able to to get the thing up. I, th- I was told that it only takes a day to approve, so it's been two or so days now. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm hoping that it'll turn into Amazon on me. I, I was going to say, tune in next week when Art returns to talk about uh, <laughs> <laughs> the <final> mechanics. <laughs> uh, well, just, just hanging out with you guys, it's a blast. I mean, I, I really feel like I'm just sitting here on my drawing board listening to one of your podcasts. Um, I feel like I know you guys, so uh, you guys brother, are really, really any, cool. Anytime you want to come back, uh, if you oh. if you want to quote get out, like you said, you don't get out much. You just you have a spot right here. <laughs> I'm probably talking your ear off right we're now. Oh, no, that's great. To, uh, yeah, we're always looking for reason to send Chris on walkabout again. So, <laughs> uh, what, one more thing before we uh, before we wrap this up, and and I want to put a little fire under your seat again. You inked LaRocca. I'm not sitting down now. So let okay. me let me stare it out now. You, you inked LaRocca on Fantastic Four. Oh, my gosh. I'm starting to feel the heat. Oh, man. Correct? What's that? You inked LaRocca on Fantastic Four, right? The he- Heroes oh, for Return? Years, yeah. Brother, what happened? Wait a minute. I'm not sure what this means. What, no, mean, what happened? The, the work was fantastic. Have you not seen LaRocca lately? <laughs> that, that's what I'm alluding to. <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll throw a dig at Joe Q, but, you know, we'll leave LaRocca alone? I don't understand that. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I mean, it was one of those things I think I got a little heavy-handed with with Salvador, so 
so I don't know if that if that's what you guys are talking about. No, it, I'm I'm just saying the work looks great. It, it, it's it's one of my favorite um, chunks of Fantastic Four. But then you compare the LaRocca then to the LaRocca now, and it's just like I don't know if you did most of the work then, but but it is not definitely not the same penciler now. I, I was definitely bringing. A little extra, extra in in that stuff. So I, I'm glad that you you noticed that. Um, what is he doing now? Is he, does he have an inker? Because I knew he was going. Yeah, yeah he's um. He, 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 no, he, he he does it all himself. Right now, he's doing Cable and X Force. Right, he's doing with Dennis Hopeless. Yeah, and he but but the, he just got done doing years of uh, Iron Man with Fraction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. I, I will and hold my guys, tongue. Yeah, you will. You guys weren't happy with that. <laughs> no, we, it, unfortunately he, not. It, no, I mean it, it, it's, it's at least at least five or six years ago now. It, it's it was um, New Universal, and then it was that 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 Spider-Man annual because Vince always talks about how Peter <laughs> Parker has Hulk hands in one panel. He's <laughs> uh, arthritic knuckles, right? That Salvador draws like yes, yes. Like, the, everybody has those knuckles. I think Joe Q was yeah, his they hand had, double. Like, big old arthritic knuckles. I always used to try to like smooth those out a little bit so they weren't like so pronounced. I'm sorry, it's late and I've been drinking. I'm sorry, Salvador. Nice. That's not really good. He's so talented. I don't know if he listens. Don't worry about it. Uh, I don't know if kangaroo was in this issue. <laughs> Sand is at it, Asmus. So the, oh, that's uh, funny. Yeah, no, that's um, good times. I just thought about something. If you guys are drinking through your show, you have like a built-in excuse. If you I ever decide to get a little racy, right? Yeah. 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 Now yeah, yeah, himself bit. in the extreme X Men stuff, right? Well, that was from his pencils. Yeah, yeah I thought that was so, like oh, was it just it was right over his pencils. Yeah, yeah. he shot that yeah. from pencils. I'll tell I you, remember Marvel. Good. Then. I, I was gonna, I was gonna do something. Maybe it was that extreme X Men. I was, I was supposed to, to ink, and I think Marvel kind of made an uh, like a, an ultimatum. They said, they said you could have art or you could have liquid coloring. And at the time, I used I used to share like studio with those liquid guys. Oh, really? And yeah, with Aaron and and Chris, and uh, and I think I think Salvador chose colors because yeah, I, I did. Yeah, think, liquid liquid did do the colors. I'm just on Comic Book DB now, and yeah, they they did the colors. Yeah, yeah. So I I think that was one of those those uh, colorist inker things, and I think it just it kind of came down to just budget um, on that, but. Yeah, I don't know. I, I always thought that Souter stuff looked better inked than just the pencils, um, especially because they're kind of. I, I don't know if he's he, if he's not using a soft lead. It's, it seems like he's using a hard. Well, he is because I used to ink him. He, he uses a hard lead, so it doesn't really. It's it's not. It doesn't print as heavy or as dynamic. Um, so it's kind of soft, and um, and the, the way Liquid was doing it is they were just kind of ignoring a lot of the shadows and just putting them in with the color. So I think the two were kind of at cross purposes. So I, I do remember that look, and I, I, I remember not liking that um, and, always, and thinking that, especially to compete against liquid or to, to kind of have that harmony, I think you need that, that ink line there. Otherwise, you're overpowered. And, uh, yeah, I think that's what his pencils, they were just kind well, of Well, I think the combination of Poser and the... And him watching episodes of Lost Lost, yeah, the, yeah. the DVD pause changed his career trajectory. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Salvador. I know. 
Where is Sawyer? Where is Sawyer today? By the way, it, it's tough when you fall from grace like that. When you when you're just a a a, a, a really accomplished penciler, and then you start yeah. turning out. You know stuff what that, though? I mean, here we are. You know, our, our, the uh, we three art critics. But let's be honest: as we just said, Larocca's gotten a premier Marvel book now for and you know and for what five six straight. I mean, without missing a month. So exactly, he's, yeah. He's like he's, he's, he's doing something right. I mean, Marvel's happy with him, so maybe it's not our cup yeah, of tea. He but. is he is a punctual guy. I mean, he puts a lot into those pages and he gets them done on time. Like he's just a pleasure to work with because he's just a machine. Like there's there's guys like like Bagley and Salvador that are just they're joys to work with because you're always going to have work, you know, because those guys are just putting it out. Now, and without naming names, has 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 anybody ever? Have you received something on a Thursday night, and they're like, "We need it by Monday." Oh my gosh! Yeah, <laughs> it's like every week. No, I'm sure every. But I, you know, you you hear, of course, you hear the stories about you know how Colette is able to do a 48 page book over two days because you know. Half of it's missing now, but <laughs> how? Where? Okay, so then in that case, have you? Do you just look at a page and and know that you know it's? Is it wrong? Do do you as an anchor just think that that it's wrong to remove something a penciler put down if you have to meet a deadline? Or I, I just would like to know the way some people approach their work and 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 where. Where they draw the line as to, I guess, ethics or or a deadline or. I think I, it depends on yeah who you're more of a slave to. Like if you're more of a slave to the penciler, then you definitely don't change anything, no matter what. Um, but if you're more of a slave to the company or to to your editor, you know what I mean by that. Um, so then, then you might feel like you could change something or delete something just to make the deadline. Um, I think it depends because I've been, I've had flack from both. Like, like at, I think there was three pages. I was doing some some you know early image stuff, um, and I think they needed three pages done the same day. And they're in San Diego, so it's about an hour and a half, maybe two-hour drive from where I'm, where I'm at. And so um, I got them that day. I inked them that day, and I drove them to the editor. And I'm not going to name names or the project or anything, but the guy that the penciler is kind of a penciler of note now at D.C., and he he looked at the pages and 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 told the editor that he didn't want to work with me anymore because there were some nicks that I didn't put in the background. <laughs> and so then the editor later that week fired me from the book. Awesome. And I was like, well, why did I get fired? And he goes, well, you deleted some of the nicks on some of the background stuff that the penciler put in. And I was like, really? I said, you told me you absolutely needed these three pages by this time. I gave them to you, and then this happened? Wow. <laughs> that was insane. Wow. Yeah, mm. so... It's. It, I. I think I learned my lesson. I think it's probably better to be more of a slave to the penciler <laughs> than than yeah than the the editor. But I think it depends on who the editor is and who the penciler is. I mean, a lot of people that have been doing this, they you know for a while they understand that you know it's a monthly medium and 
and the bottom line is always that the book has to come out. And if you kind of have to cut a little, like a corner or two with that issue, well, you make it up next issue. You know what I mean? Like when you have a little bit more time or whatever. So you're always striving to do more, but sometimes you can only do so much with the time that you're given. So, you know, that's kind of the way I try to look at things. Well, I think that's and a I good... Think... No, go ahead. Oh, uh, uh, I was going to say, and I, I think the fans... I think the fans would better, I don't know, I mean, when I when I was more just buying the books, I remember if there was a fill-in or, like, even if even if an issue was, was busted up by two or three different people, I didn't like that. So I would rather get, like, a watered-down version of the guy I like, you know, and then maybe next issue get, you know, that guy in full swing than have, you know what I mean, like a... a many hands job trying to finish a book right you know that yeah. way i don't know how you guys feel about that but i, I agree with you oh yeah. yes oh yeah i i prefer i mean i know we've gone on about uh well i guess maybe mostly me but you have like you know three three months of an art team and then someone else has to come in for a month so they can get their bearings after work in 12 weeks and and i i'd rather have I'd rather have the consistency, not 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 so much for for their royalties or it's everybody in that in that collection, so they're going to get paid. But when I'm reading a story, it's nice to have that look throughout. And and you could say it's watered down, but an average reader may not notice your watered down inks over when you're really if if if, if you're that good. Then if you if you don't put that nick in the wall. The reader may not notice, but meanwhile, if you show every shine in his armor the next issue, that's going to make it worth the wait. Yeah, because I think it's the big picture. It's it's twelve issues a year, you know. Yeah. It's not necessarily just about that that one issue, and and I might be in the minority here, but but I do think it's it's a twelve issue run. Like when I commit to something, you know, I realize that it's it's monthly. It's not just that one issue, um, you know, because. It, it just keeps moving, and I appreciate that when I see uh, runs on books like that as well. Like, um, you know, Ultimate Spider-Man, I think the reason Ultimate Spider-Man, or one of the, the many reasons that works so well, is the same team stayed on that book. I think we all, like Bendis, Mark, and myself, did close to 70 issues in a row. There was no fill-ins. There was nobody else, you know, coming in and doing anything. It was the wow. three of us. Yeah. Now, so how far in advance? I mean, obviously, you have to wait for the penciler to get the pages to you. So, how does that? I know that there are some pencilers that are like, okay, I know that I can bang out so many pages a week, and that I know that I can do something with my family on the weekend, or I can go and take my vacation. How do you? How how, how do you adjust your schedule? Because if 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 you have pages coming in every week and you know you you kind of have to rely on the penciler to get his work in so i know that you went to disney a few months ago so i mean yeah. how how is that how are you able to you know schedule that family time knowing that you, you your job relies on someone getting their part to you yeah i think i think really the the best thing that ever happened to me as far as that's concerned 
was having a kid because up to that point, I just worked 24-7. I mean, it didn't matter to me. I was just constantly working. And then, you know, you have this, this little person, and you just want mm-hmm. to get home. So I, I have a studio away from my house. And so, um, you know, you just want to get home. So I started, it was hard. It, I mean, it took me about a year to kind of figure out, a, a, you know, how to work it out. But I told myself I wanted to be home in the evenings. I wanted to eat dinner with my family. And I wanted to take weekends off. So I just kind of did everything in my power to do that and discipline myself to be able to get the work done in that amount of time and then walk away from it, you know, and just kind of uh, more or less like a nine to five. And what I found is I started getting work done quicker. I started getting work done better. And if I needed to pull an all-nighter or if I needed extra, you know, I could put extra time in, I had that extra time. You know what I mean? Like I could put a Saturday or Sunday in or I could put a, a night in because if it was a rare occasion, it wasn't that big of a deal. Right. And there is, like with a lot of people, there's a burnout factor in this business because it never stops. Yeah. And if you're working, if you're working like that, it gets, it gets hard because you never see an end. It's just, it's just continuous. <laughs> Um, so if you can take a weekend off or if you can take an evening off, it definitely helps. That makes sense. You're driven. But it's hard sometimes because if you have a big stack of pages there, <laughs> you're like, oh, crap, how do I walk away from this? <laughs> you know? Yeah. You got to. Well, cool. I think we, we've we uh, wrapped it up a little bit here. We're Yeah. It, it flew by. Little no doubt. Yeah. Boom. Done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I feel like I'm in the room with you guys. This is. Cool. I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, when we <laughs> say done, <laughs> when we say done, we mean there's a you know we still haven't gotten to the in your travels step. So we got that's we true. got a lot some time left. Um, oh, you guys, okay. Yeah. Uh, hey, you know what? This episode of 11 O'Clock Comics has been brought to you by Discount Comic Book Service. DCBService.com, where you can get those books I told you about at the top of the hour for dirt cheap. 35 to 75% off your favorite funny books and collectibles. And if you are a first-time customer, you can enter the following code into the pre-moisten slot and get an extra 8% off. David, what it is? That is EOC8. EOC8 will net you an extra 8% off. DCBService.com. Remember that. Just go there. They're the best. Uh, in your travels, uh, in addition to keeping an eye out for the Chrono Mechanics Kickstarter, because we want each and every one of you to get on board that, it's just great stuff. Keep an eye out for the One Trick Ripoff and Deep Cuts. This is from Image Comics. They recently published uh, Paul Pope's one trick ripoff in a beautiful hardcover. The uh, OGN has been recolored, or not recolored, it's been colored because the original wasn't black and white. Uh, in addition to that, you get a bunch of uh, assorted stuff uh, in the back of the book, not the least of which is the stuff he produced for Kodansha. You get the Super Trouble stuff, not all of it, but some of it in here. Uh, it's a beautiful volume, like I said, very sturdy hardcover, and it's relatively cheap it's thick it's like wow let me see the page numbers it's almost 300 pages and it's only 30 bucks so if you get it on amazon or from dcbs you know you're going to be paying a lot less than that i love paul pope 
Go get it. One trick ripoff. Great stuff. Nice. Yeah. Oh man. Well, there's a few things that, uh, that I've, I've been reading aside from Chrono Mechanics, like Vince um, and <laughs> and Hawkman, because I wanted to try to 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 be up to date on on yeah. our most recent work. Me too. Uh, and, it, and it is pretty. I mean, it's it's, it's, exactly. it's easy on the eyes. Yeah. I will. That's I will. I will give as much praise to the art on Savage Hawkman as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I would say then in your travels, um, I'm going to go with the uh, the New Avengers. I'm what? I'm I'm currently reading the second issue because it's it's weird. It threw me because I, I thought the Black Panther had a new book out. But it was really just that first issue, which was pretty much just all about Black Panther and the New Avengers. It's it's Jonathan Hickman, it's Steve Epting, it's um, it's the Illuminati, and and uh, and I'm I'm kind of digging it. I don't know if I'm enjoying it more than Hickman's current Avengers. I I, I like I like them both, although one has a few issues in, and the other has fewer issues in. But um, I'm I'm going to say go with that this week. So Hickman's writing Avengers and New Avengers? Yeah. yeah, boy. Wow. Well, you know, David, to your point, the it's a nitpicky thing, but I, I just, and I, I agree with everything you said about that book, I just don't understand why it's called New Avengers. Oh, I don't either. I absolutely It makes yeah. no sense to me, but other than that, it's, I agree, it's, it's awesome, the awesome sauce. What's that? Precedent. Yeah. Well, well right, really. but it's... Oh. There was a there 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 was a reason to call it New Avengers at least once before when Bendis first started. Yeah, right, but that book was successful, right? So I guess maybe they just trying to continue that. I don't know. I yeah. don't know, but well, huh. there isn't anybody new. But anyway, yeah, but, exactly. But they are. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna take you over to a, a little place called Dark Horse. Woot. Ooh. Um, I actually had two Dark Horse books to talk about tonight, but we didn't get to them. I'll save one for next week. Um, but this Blame one, I'm just gonna. There. What's that? Blame Mr. T Bear for that. I'm gonna. Blame, <laughs> I am, I'm gonna blame Mr. T Bear and your your technical producing ineptitude in keeping me off the line for ten minutes. There you go. Oh, oh snap! Um, no, uh, from our good friends, uh, Mr. Mike Norton and Dennis Hopeless. Um, there's a. This is a book that oh, I am just yes. so happy to see in print, yes. uh, which is the answer. Uh, this first issue of a four issue limited series has come out. Um, the Character is someone that has been in Mike Norton's uh, deep, deep in his cerebral cortex for a long, long time, and he would he had sketches of him and ideas, and he didn't know what to do. Um, he actually wanted to put something out with the answer when he was exclusive at DC, but you know how that is. DC said, "Sure, you could do that," and then we get to own the character. And Mike has actually had experience with that at the other big, big two, and in, in creating gravity and having nothing for it, so understandably he, he put the answer on the back burner. Um, when they came out with uh, with uh, Double Feature, he he dusted the character off, and we got to see a little bit of the answer in Double Feature. And now, finally, we're getting a full limited series. And Mike elicited the help of his good buddy and up-and-coming Marvel writer, Dennis Hopeless, to help script, and Mike drew the book. And uh, the first issue was terrific. It's just, it's a wonderful thing to see, you know, a, a friend's personal creation, much like 
as art can relate with uh, with his own book. Uh, just it's great to when you get to kind of have your own id explored on the page. And this is Mike's, you know, this along with Battle Pug are, are Mike's personal creations. So kudos. Uh, I think uh, the first issue was off to a great start. And uh, I can't wait for the next three to wrap it up. Cool. Mr. T-Bear. Yes. What should they be uh, keeping an eye out for? Hawk Ben. Corner Mechanics. <laughs> no, and Aquaman, and Aquaman, right? Oh yeah, and Aquaman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jason. No problem. Nice. All right, I I have to say this is uh, no offense to my my co-chairs here, but this has been one of the most fun episodes I've had in a long, long time. What are you saying, and Vince? Because, and, dude, because that's... of Jason. I'm 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 and giving dude. the guest some props. He was awesome. Yeah, but he was. Oh, oh, well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. He was. He was really good. I know, but at our expense, dude. I know. It's, hey. He's still, he's still butthurt over not having dinner with You know, it's all how you say it, Vince. You could have been like, you know what, Art? You were able to keep the chemistry as awesome as it always is, even though you were new to the show. And I really <laughs> yeah. love that. Instead, I you're like, been. dude, thank God you came on. Cause I am. Guys are an albatross from my I needed back. something new. I am nothing if not unvarnished. Come on. I'd like to start sure. throwing some gasoline on this fire. Yeah, Vince. <laughs> well, what's up with that? Why did you do that? Why did you sacrifice your brother? So that's, that's what I do. That's what I so, do. So, Art, in addition to your Kickstarter, I mean, you, you you said earlier that you're not you don't get out much, but are you planning on hitting any cons this year? Um, I I, I think I might do WonderCon uh, and the San Diego Comic Con, and those are both local. Um, I did do like a Wizard Austin a couple months back, and that was a blast. I, I don't know if you guys have ever been to Austin. Oh my no. gosh, no. that's a no. great town. I well, love Texas. We would love to see you in Chicago. I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> oh my gosh, you know it's so amazing. As as long as I've been doing this, I've always wanted to do the Chicago shows. Um, I just heard that the city is so nice and the shows are great. Yep. But I've just never gotten out there. Ah, so. oh, you gotta come. When, when is it? Is it? It's coming up, right? It's in April. Yeah, it's the last weekend in April. Ah, maybe I'll start saving some money up. <laughs> I bet you those, all of you guys going to be uh, there. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes. Yep. It'll be the first time all four of us have been together since New York. Two years. No. Was it New York Eleven? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think know. it was. I think it was. I still have the bruises. Huh. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> yeah, and and art. Well, it's, you uh, should get doctor if you still have some bruises. <laughs> David, they're, uh, they're deep, brother. David, Vince, and I are uh, are driving cross country, cannibal run style. Yes. So. Oh my gosh! Really? Were you yes. breaking the law with the with the speeding and all that? I just secured our our Countach with the lift up doors. <laughs> um, yeah, Vince, that's that's what I want Vince to drive. Vince dressing as Adrian Barbeau. I tell. be Catherine. Bach. I'm going to be Catherine Bach. Dap's going to be uh, Jackie Chan. <laughs> You're going to be a Jaws, Jackie Chan sidekick. Oh, all right, okay. Richard Keel. That's um, right. Watching you behind know, the right. door. A lot, a lot of people when when they hear that you know I'm driving out to Chicago, they'd be like, "Oh, brother, twelve hours in a car? That's murder." It's actually uh, the time we choose to leave uh, is around you know seven o'clock. 
driving through the it night is the, the night. most relaxing thing. I mean, not relaxing to the point where you drive off the road. It's it's just it it's just who's so driving, right? You guys you guys switch off like who's well. Who's I was on the. I was I was very sadly had to work an unexpected work thing came up last year, and I had actually missed C two E two the last minute, so I missed out on the road trip, and I haven't gotten over it. Um, but as I understand it, uh, David was more than ready to switch off with Vince, and he kind of just was like, no, I'm driving the whole way. <laughs> do, do I relinquish control with anything? No, <laughs> seriously. I'm like, I'm like, you good? He's like, yeah, and before you can finish saying, yeah, I'm good, I'm like, I'm out. I just like, like ah, wake me when we get to Ohio. I'm just, Hilarious. I'm just, yeah. Five hours traveling with the control freak is good because then you can get some sleep. Yeah, <laughs> he was even like, he, I mean, he took a five-hour energy. I took a five-hour energy. I think, I, I think mine was laced with Nyquil because I was <laughs> nothing. For you know me. what? I'm with you, David. If there was ever proof that I'm, I, I'm addicted to caffeine. I, uh, you know, because I go to the Eagles games, but where I live now, it's like three-hour drive. So. Maybe just getting older and over, but but the last like two years when I'm driving home from Eagles games, like a couple times I've like dozed off. Like I've had to like, yeah. like as I'm driving, you know, and I've been like, holy crap, and I need to, I've like had to pull over to service area and like wake up, you know. So I just I had never taken a five hour energy until last year, and I took one, and uh, thought like this is it, it's gonna hook me up, and it didn't work at all, dude. Like <laughs> no. half hour later, I'm dozing off again. I'm like, I know. <laughs> like what is up with this? They don't because- work. Those five hour energy drinks don't work. They didn't well, for I, me. They didn't for Jason. I think if you're a oh my gosh. then they they're not they don't work. But if you're, or maybe it's also because Vince was driving. Vince was alert. Vince was Vince. He had not to a be. freak. Maybe maybe that. Well, no, no, no. Let's not. Don't even go there. But if I maybe I just maybe I wasn't active. Maybe my mind wasn't doing anything that would. I'm. I'm trying to justify maybe there just no, wasn't you anything up. going on where you're keeping me up you did a good job well i had yeah i had iron maiden playing you know we yeah. were we, we oh, were trying you're to... loving it yep <laughs> member of the piece <laughs> that's yeah. right i was tapping on the, on the or to be released <laughs> i think I'm, really, <laughs> I'm gonna be in charge of the soundtrack this time <laughs> i don't think so <laughs> no more devil music yeah. i can't Seriously. take that much bass <laughs> I can't have Satan as my co-pilot in a car. Well, you better walk, buddy. <laughs> but Jesus is okay. <laughs> yeah, JC and I are tight. My co-pilot. Me and JC go way back. <laughs> yeah, way, way back. Oh, you're killing me. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Hey. Uh, right, thanks so much for being on. It was great yeah, having you. We, we you. must thank uh, Penciler, Inker, Creator Extraordinaire, right. Mr. R.T. Bear for sharing the second half of the show with us. And um, come back anytime you feel like it, seriously. No, this was a blast. It was really like hanging out with, with some of my friends that I've known for all, all my life. So thank you, guys. Thank you yeah, for man. having me. Well, we are your friends. No and, doubt, and brother. Don't make us hunt you down. Keep an eye out for this Chrono Mechanics Kickstarter because it will be some of the nicest stuff you've seen in a long, long time. It's yeah, true. We're, but we're, not, uh, we're not kidding. We're going ham all up in Kickstarter. That's right. Uh, and uh, hey, please join us next week. We'll, we will be back at the same time, same channel. Because why? Because we love you. That's all. Th- we think you're all right. Yeah, you're okay. Bye. <laughs> Peace out. Love you. Tune, tune in next week when Chris comes back. Maybe unless unless Mr. Hey, Peter wants to do it again. <laughs> and to all the all to, to all the Woodrow minions, I will alas be missing next week. What? Uh, yeah, Did I read not the get forum, the memo? Vince. I'm sorry. Read the forum. <laughs> I, I would if the page would load. 
That's so. true. Oh, that yeah. is true. <laughs> That's messed up. Can't no, yeah, I will be in California um, on business, and uh, it's not going to – I can't make Tuesday or Wednesday network, so. Uh, oh, well. Yeah. I, that sucks. But anyway, let's not end on a downer. We love everybody. Come back next week. That's right. Because you don't know what you're going to get. You won't get me? That's exciting. Will Burger. Hey. Hey. Bye. Hey, girl. Duck fried chips. Duck fried chips. Those are so damn By the good. way, my sons, that's what they say all the time now. They're like, hey, girl. Hey, girl. I love that. Oh, you know who that is? LSP. No, no. Well, that's LSP, but Turtle Princess. You know who Turtle Princess is? Mm. I'm pretty sure Turtle Princess and Peppermint Butler are voiced by the same person. You ever watch uh, Eastbound and Down? No. Oh. It is a really funny show. I've heard it is. It is. My brother got me into it, and it is hysterical. It is nasty, but it is funny as hell. But the uh, but but Kenny Powers' his little sidekick is the voice of, uh, of Peppermint Butler and and Turtle Princess, but yeah, hey girl, that that was actually that was my uh, that was my text alert for when Renee sends me a text, but I changed it. Oh, okay. Hey girl. Bye, Bye folks. Thank you, thank you Mr. Tito. See you guys. Later. Bye. <laughs>